Oh my God! <laughs> fucking yeah, minions! Yeah, thirteenth all time. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. This episode of Sincast is brought to you by NatureBox. Get three free snacks with your first order. Just visit naturebox.com slash Sincast and use code SINS. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from Cinema Sins, joined as always by the voice of Cinema Sins, Jeremy Scott. Hey, yo. And from Music Video Sins, Barrett Share. Hello, everyone. And we have a special guest Yay! this week uh, Christian Harloff from Schmoes No, the podcast, the website, the YouTube channel. Uh, and uh, he's got. Uh, what, You've got something coming up, something big, right? Yeah, so I'm 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 now the uh, they had a development over at Collider Video. Mark and I have been with Collider for the last like year and a half, two years, and and since we were here, we, what we started over on the Schmoes channel uh, two years ago was the movie trivia Schmodown. Yeah, and we we turned that into a weekly show, and it's it's essentially it's not just a movie trivia show because I feel like eventually game shows just get repetitive and boring. It's like so how long can you just do the same game show? So we wanted to make it an actual show. So we combined elements of like the WWE and like ranking styles like the UFC and team matches and things of that nature <laughs> and we have like nice. yeah so and we did we're doing this um we do like these events very similar I, I wrote for the WWE uh, a long time ago Whoa, really? I, hold on it, you have to write for that <laughs> yeah, I know I know it's uh it's it's a lot of people don't realize it but there's a lot there's a lot to it and I think that one of their things that I really dug was their structure on like their pay-per-views you know their WrestleManias their SummerSlams so I wanted to model that so as I build the league up, I'm doing a I'm I'm doing this event in uh, on July seventh called Collider Collision, and it's um it's four big matches. There's there's two title matches. There's a triple threat match between three players. There's a team <laughs> match. There's number one contender matches. It's and and there's drama to boot. So oh, it's a lot of fun. Nice. That sounds awesome. So are there are there some contestants who hate each other on this? There's a lot of smack talk, and like I said, with the story element, like we we have like the uh, we have like the good guys and the bad guys, and yeah. like our main our, our main event is a triple threat match between the reigning champion uh, Mark Riley, who would be considered in wrestling terms a babyface, as is uh, from screen. <laughs> From Screen Junkies, Dangerous Dan Merle, who yeah, you guys know, yeah, uh, he was a dominant champion for a long time, and then um, and then John Roca, who's like our Stone Cold Steve Austin, and he wears the, <laughs> he wears the cowboy hat and he's got the V for Vendetta mask, and he talks smack. He runs the Four Horsemen. I mean, there's there's, <laughs> it's, it's, there's a lot. I mean, I'm telling you that we have, we have a guy, William the Beast Bibiani, he comes out in the Hannibal Lecter outfit, and he and he, you know, there's there's factions, there's behind the scenes stuff, there's vignettes. We had a guy on the phone, like kind of. You know, who's he talking to? He's, he's it looks like there's going to be some kind of betrayal coming up soon. There's all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds is, awesome. It does sound awesome. It's all for a movie <laughs> trivia show. I mean, that's awesome. Well, that's my point. My point is just to try to I mean, if you're going to do the same thing is you're just going to have a game show every week. It's just like, you know, people are going to tune out eventually. But if they're invested in characters and they're invested in, in storylines and stuff, too, people say exactly what you just said, Chris. It's the fact that, like, that's just movie trivia. And then they watch it. Like, it's, it's a lot more. It's an actual, it's a television show. <laughs> I mean, case in point, Barrett and I tried out for that VH1 thing that happened a oh, few yeah. years ago. It was a pop culture trivia thing or whatever. Yep. 
and we got past the first round, mm-hmm. but there were all these people who were dressed up like Ghostbusters <laughs> and like, you know, stuff like that. And they had a thing that was like, oh, they have a sort of an, an edge in this type of thing to get to get on the show because they're characters and stuff like that. <laughs> no. right. But um, but yeah, I love that. And so you've got you've got four regular match or was it six regular matches? Well, so we, what we do is every week we'll have like um, normally on Tuesday, the, the matches here on Tuesday and Friday. So we have team matches on Tuesday. Singles are Friday. And we have like a, you know, the in, if you're a wrestling fan, there's the Intercontinental Championship. I've created the Inner Geekdom, which is just like uh, Warner. I mean, just, uh, you know, DC movies, Lord of the Rings, Marvel, Star Trek, Star Wars. And there, so we have that that happens sometimes, too. But at the collision, we're taking like some of the top contenders, like the, the superstars of the league, if you will, and putting them up on like these big matches. Like I said, there's the triple threat singles match. There's the number one contender match, which I'm on with, with uh, Jeff Snyder. Um, there's the the team number one contender match. And then there's the Inner Geekdom Championship with Jeremy Johns, who you guys are, yep. are familiar uh, with. Yep. Uh, Jeremy Johns is the number one contender for the belt. And he's going up against Hector Navarro, who's the reigning uh, Inner Geekdom champion. Wow. <laughs> he, Hector Navarro actually sounds like a guy who's in like boxing and wrestling. <laughs> he actually sounds like somebody you don't want to fuck with. Navarro versus <laughs> Arlov. Yeah. He's not. He performs like it too, man. He, he's, he's like a 26-year-old kid and he's, his knowledge is incredible. He beat uh, Robert Meyer Burnett for the for the championship uh, back in February, I think, and Robert Mike Burnett is a he's a, he's a, he's like our age and a little older, and and he's um but he's like his star he's like producer on Star Trek. I mean, oh, his geez. knowledge is incredible. And Hector, twenty six year old kid, just showed you know you you just got you just got to know your stuff. Wow. wow. <laughs> well, um, are we allowed to talk about the other upcoming event? Um, if we're still planning it when we come out there in August, of course, yeah, man, I, absolutely, I would love to. I mean, I, having you guys, I've, I've, you guys haven't been on uh, just the schmoes programming in general since like uh, two, three years, yeah. And um, and when I when we started doing this weekly show, not only were the fans like asking when Cinema Sins coming on, when are they coming on? I wanted you guys to compete. I would, I think you guys would cause some damage. Oh man, I think you guys are unprepared <laughs> for, for my partner. <laughs> I'm bringing Rain Man to. The- this thing <laughs> and i want you to watch how little i have to do uh, look at that the hype, in a nice way look at the hype machine going on here and i'll get on this show and i'll fuck it up <laughs> um no listen i you guys are one of the more highly anticipated teams for sure i'd love to have you guys on i gotta find you the right uh competitors too because last time we did a we, I, we all did movie fights i was the i was the the host when you guys um, competed last time. I think I was... we remember that. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I know. I'm sure. <laughs> For a time, I blocked it out of my memory, but right. I've allowed it a place there in my, yeah. my mind. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to lick your wounds, though. It did happen. Sh- yeah. and, and you know what? It's all right. We, maybe just, we can redeem ourselves on this Schmodown trivia show. Yeah. I- you will be. That's the difference, though, too, because it doesn't matter whether or not, there's there's no judge on this one. It's a matter of you know it or you don't. Well, and what I like about I've been watching some of your trivia shows to, to yeah. prepare at least to get an idea of how stupid I'm going to look. Um, <clears throat> and what I like is the way you mix up the rounds and you kind of truly make this a random kind of thing, whether either spinning a wheel or picking a category that you don't know they're going to like. There's no way for you guys to rig this to make for sure who's going to win, even though you're kind of WWEing up the storyline, the actual trivia portion is, is completely fair. And that's what I like about it. 
Thank you, and I'm glad. I mean, maybe we should send a memo to the fans about that together. Um, <laughs> <laughs> They're not fans, I guess. They don't. They, they no. think you're unfair. No, no matter what, I mean, if they, what I like, what, what's great about this is that people do get so invested. But if they, like, and I'm not kidding you guys, there's like fantasy leagues for this thing right oh, now. Oh, jeez, that's <laughs> awesome. And and people like you know they get so invested that if their favorite doesn't win, then automatically it's rigged. And when I when I compete, and God forbid I win. Um, <laughs> <laughs> And I know, you know, then I knew all the answers and all that. But but you're absolutely right, because I think that this is why I compared it to the UFC thing to where, you know, with Dana White is that I I can tell you about the storylines and stuff, too. But the trivia itself dictates the storyline. I don't like because I can I can want like if William Bibiani is going up against, you know, uh, Jeff Snyder, I can tell you that I would want for my selfish purposes Bibiani to win. um, But if he doesn't. Then I've got to I've got to dictate the story in the other way. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Very cool. Well, we're looking forward to it. Um, yeah. I think you've got somebody talking to somebody on our end and, and ironing out all the details. But I wanted to give the fans a sneak preview that we're not we're not just bringing Christian on to plug this collision event. Uh, we're going on this trivia show, not the collision event, but we're going on one of these trivia shows very soon. And uh, we also wanted to talk movies with him. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Let's do it. And, we, and and like I said, we would we would do a lot more of these, but we're not in L.A. and right. and, and it's one of those type of things, I guess. You've had that problem before, too, though, right? There's a lot of people that you've wanted to have on regularly, but they're not in L.A. And so. Oh, yeah, man. Listen, if I if I like I said, you guys as a as a team, like in, I know that it's going to be like a special event. And we're going to have a lot of fun with it, but I would love to have you guys as part of the league. But I know just, you know, location wise, it's hard to do. Yeah. Uh, Chris Stuckman has been on. It's hard. I'd have him as someone all the time. The guys that double toasted came in, had a really fun match. Like we're putting on. I want to get everybody in here that can have because also you guys got really fun personalities, too. And that's what that's what it's about about it's about entertainment and it's about showing your stuff there's some people that like drew mcweeney who you know started off in in a cool news we call him the godfather at this point (laughs) and he he comes into the godfather theme and he's he's just he's not the smack talk guy he's all business kind of get in there and do his thing (laughs) there's there's a lot of different personalities and yes you're absolutely right i'd love to get a bunch of different people in and uh when you guys move here then (laughs) uh, you'll be the champions if nashville keeps doing what it's doing i might i might consider la a small town to move to as soon as as we (laughs) fully turn into atlanta out here uh, we'll be looking (laughs) at other places to live yeah exactly all right well uh we are gonna get right into it uh glad that you could join us for our uh our discussion and everything today um today we're gonna be uh on our movie our syncast movie club we're gonna be talking about superhero movies yeah you should join our club you and your friend now, if you're not going to take this seriously, perhaps we should disband the club now. <laughs> <laughs> I love being a part of things. And um, so uh, in generally how we've been doing this, how it's sort of worked in, uh, we've worked it in is we come up with a best, a favorite, an underseen, and an underrated. Um, and the best, I mean, usually sometimes in these categories, I mean, there's we, we sort of like have movies that are already going to be yeah, ingrained. everybody's yeah. best or whatever. I l- really love it when it gets into the underseen and underrated yeah. though because that's where we start talking about movies that people didn't give a chance or or didn't really get a chance to see, but let's talk about the best ones so far. And Christian, you want to yeah. kick us off with your best superhero movies? Yeah, I think it's I mean, so let me ask as far as superhero goes too because I wanted to like so is it are we talking just comic book movies here or just strictly superhero movies? Interesting that you asked that because I was thinking the same thing when I was going yeah. through all of this uh because there are some comic book movies we don't really know are comic book movies like yeah. Uh, yeah. history of violence right, for instance, right, right. is that's, one of that's them. absolutely right and i mean even even kingsman people don't realize 
that it was a uh, comic book too. So if we're talking overall, uh, if we're talking critically acclaimed type movies, I think that the cliche and easy answer for everybody, and, and unfortunately got to stick with it, is The Dark Knight. Yeah, yeah. It's just, no argument but, here. Yeah, it's just for what they did, what what no one was able to do with that movie and take it because we're in a different time right now with, with comic book movies in general. With um, you know, you know, you're gonna have Tony Stark dealing with aliens, and and we're we're all we're okay with that now. <laughs> you know, with, but but with no Speak one, no for one yourself, was thinking, man, I am not okay with that. <laughs> yeah, but a lot of but but with where we are, where we are right now, that's that's kind of in general. Whether it's the DC universe or Marvel, Center, we're 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 all over every realm, and you're getting you're gonna have Thor coming out. But no one was dealing in realism nolan was dealing in 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 a place we really hadn't seen um comic book movies and burton kind of did it in 89 but i think that what what he really did here was he combined that opening scene in a dark night oh, it's, yeah. it was straight out of michael mann's um you know heat <laughs> yeah, yeah it was yeah. and you know all that, and then you you couple it with the fact that that heath ledger was not supposed to work you yeah, right. who who that guy what and when he did it's just now there's no one that can be better than him. Yeah. So um, it, it's just everything about it. And, and I did like the balance. I don't agree with people when, when they just say that it's a it's a Joker movie. I think 89 was more of a Joker movie. I think that it is a good balance because there's a lot going on with Bruce Wayne in that film. But it's just because that performance was so powerful mm -hmm. by Heath Ledger that that's what you remember. And that's fine. Um, I just there's so much to it. It was beautiful the way that they, the, you know, people take for granted the the use of, of the way it was shot for IMAX. Yes. Um, not the whole thing, you know, like 50. 15, 20 minutes of it, but there was it was so effective, and it's still and it you, it'll hold up. It'll hold up. Oh, yeah. one, I've I watched it recently. It's just it's it's a very very intellectual, powerful. Uh, I think just one of the and I know that Batman per se isn't a superhero, but the comic book movies in general, I would say he's a uh, it's it's one of the best. Oh yeah. man, it's it's the first superhero movie that felt like a crime thriller that just happened to have a superhero in it, mm -hmm. and. I think that's why it's going to hold up is that there's all that foundation of story and plot underneath the masks and the capes and the makeup um, that most superhero films don't have that kind of that kind of film structure. Mm -hmm. They're usually all going for that superhero format. And Nolan decided I'm going to make heat with Batman. Yeah. You know, we haven't really seen anything like this since no. either. Mm -mm. And I thought this was going to be a lot more uh, influential when it came out, because yeah. this was the movie that I thought, oh, this legitimizes comic book movies in everybody's mind. This is critics. This is people, everybody. So we're going to start seeing more of these. And it's it's just gotten sillier since uh, it's not the until, Dark Knight. Yeah, the, just recently Matt Reeves came out and said that he wanted to put kind of some Hitchcock into his new Ooh, Batman thing. I like that idea. Right? I mean, I could not be more excited for that because that's getting back to exactly what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. is kind of, And that's the perfect character to do it because he doesn't have any, quote, special abilities. So you can actually put him in that universe. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's a good well, point. Well, DC, DC's at a, at, at, a, at a unique place right now where they can they can kind of do that kind of stuff because Wonder Woman has opened, opened up the possibilities of just flipping the entire DC cinematic universe on its head and going in a different direction that was originally planned. So maybe that's the play. Maybe they start to go into a different direction. It's going to be hard to do from the things that they've already set up, but um, but you don't know exactly where they're going to go. I think that the problem with what Nolan did is that because, like you said, though, Chris, with with my, some people might see it as silly, but there's just the comic book in general. You go back to the history of comic books. There's just so much in there that – it, it it does get silly and it does get to this place of aliens and supernatural stuff and and you've got to, and if you're going to expand it to this 
vast universe, it's hard to just stick in the real, I think, for an entire cinematic universe. And I think that's the problem that they were going to run into in the DC. Yeah, true. Yeah. And it is it is interesting how Wonder Woman is going to change a lot of these. Uh, I'm really DC, optimistic about it. You though. might see a graph of Marvel going down and DC going up. Well, with that's the way, inevitable, right? Yeah. Like, the pendulum's mm-hmm. always going to swing. It's just a matter of when and how long. And then DC will be up for a while like they were before. And then Marvel will reinvent something yeah. and come back. And, you know, it, what what's fun for me as a kid who grew up on comic books and superheroes is that it's it as much as i hate this i I will argue against what i'm about to say but it's almost become a permanent genre yeah wherein it used to be a big deal that a new superhero movie was coming out Mm because there'd be like one a year if that and now we're we're definitely going to get them consistently for at least 20 30 years maybe forever yeah uh as much as they're going to change over time and evolve um i like that because i think there's so much more territory yet to be discovered because uh, we've kind of been stuck in a second rut here now with these marvel movies all like i i'm a big fan of saying how much they all run together mm-hmm. i can be flipping channels and <laughs> i know i'm watching one of these marvel mcu movies but from the music or, yeah. you know, I can't tell which one it is. Yeah. And from the visuals and the look, they all look the same. So I'm excited to see where we go. Uh, and maybe Matt Reeves will take us another step in that mm. direction with what he does with the Batman. Mm-hmm. Well, um, if So I was going to say, if I can speak on that, on the, the genre thing, I, I agree with you, Jeremy, 100%. And I think that I think that when people, the question I'm sure you guys get all the time and we get all the time too, is there superhero fatigue? That comes in all the time. Right. And, I, and I think the fact that it is a genre and the reason why it is a genre is because I think that Marvel um, should be credited for this is what they have done. Even if you think maybe a lot of the movies look the same, you can't, I don't think you can deny that what they were going for is say Ant-Man is the the crime f- film, the, the Guardians of the Galaxy with the space opera, the, you know, the... Winter Soldier with kind of the spy thriller is that they're they're genres inside a larger genre. And I think that that's why it's able to succeed. And I think that that DC is going to start to try to do the same thing. And Star Wars is essentially trying to do the same thing. So that that's how you succeed as a genre and don't get too tired with yourself as an overall just the superhero movie, the comic book movie. And I think that that's why it's able to work. Well, okay, because you just mentioned Ant Man and Star Wars in the same breath. Yeah, <laughs> let's go on a tangent for a second. Ron Howard. <laughs> Ron yeah, Howard. Man. I know, I know. I'm, I, I am. Uh, it's funny because people have been waiting, waiting for my thoughts on that too, and 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 I think that they're waiting for me to say, "Oh, this is a great idea." I think it's a terrible idea. I do too. Um, yeah. It's it's like I was thinking about doing stand up comedy wise. Like it's it's like if you compare what Ron Howard is to what he was, he was like an edgy comedian back in the day, and now he just tells dad jokes. Yeah. <laughs> well, what, what was the last great Ron Howard movie? Rush. I think. Yeah, so yeah, like, Rush was good. Yeah, I would, Apo- I would. He's always been the that all-time middle director, hasn't he? Yeah. Like, everything he makes is kind of okay. Yeah. And every once in a while, like in an Apollo 13 or Cinderella Backdraft. Man. Backdraft. Backdraft. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it comes out, and it's like, uh, you know, he's got the capability if everything comes together, but... Well, the real mistake here, obviously, was getting this far before making this decision. They're rumored to have right. been three weeks from being done filming. And they fire Lord and Miller. In case you guys don't know what we're talking about, this is the young Han Solo movie. Mm-hmm. Right. And just within the last few days before this taping, Lord and Miller were, I guess it was amicable in the press. They left the project, and now they've replaced him with Ron Howard. Well, and then Variety came, like, 
hours later and said they were fired off the project. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. And that's no, yeah, not the fire. Well, the reason what, what it's funny, you guys, I was just reading about the overall report here, what Entertainment Weekly put out there, too. And, and I, I'm so torn on this because I see I see both sides and the side that I, I think that it's easy to always blame the studio when when you say, well, they didn't let the, the, the creators do what they were they hired to do. But from what the reports are in this thing was that they hired Lord Miller to give like a, a comedic spin to Lawrence Kasdan's script. Mm-hmm. Now, the reports are that they just completely went away from the script and they started letting the actors kind of improv and they started turning it into a comedy. But isn't and, that what they're known for? Aren't yeah, they known I mean, this is to have an improvisational for, style? Yeah. Sure, but it's also I mean the same could be said. It, weren't the Russo brothers known for a lot of that too? But the Russo brothers stuck to you know Winter Soldier and they stuck to Civil War and they made and they made completely different movies, showing that <laughs> they could do more than just that. Now comedic, you got to have some comedic stuff with Han Solo. But Kasdan's point was that he's not a comedian. He's not a funny guy. He's just a sarcastic guy. And I I think they were clashing on who the character was. Um, then as far as Ron Howard goes, I think that all it is is because there's some rule with DGA that Lawrence Kasdan was supposed to come on and direct, but there's a rule that something from, from writing on it, he can't do it. There was some kind of DGA thing hmm. that wasn't going to allow him to do that. So I think Ron Howard's going to go in there very similar to what Mark Pond did in, in Jedi and probably really, I wouldn't be surprised if secretly, um, you know, Kasdan is, is directing this thing. But how do you, let's say this, let's say you get the best possible outcome from this point forward. It's still like I'm convinced this film is not going to be good at this point. (laughs) How do you change gears? Even if you do a bunch of reshoots, this is just because we got this far before we made this decision. We've almost doomed the movie. They can't stop. They put too much money and effort into it. They're right near the end. They have to have a leader. They picked a capable one who's probably going to toe the line. But I do disagree with that Kazdan quote. I don't okay. guess Han Solo is not a comedian in the sense that he tells setups and jokes, but he is a he is a comedy element for the audience and always Absolutely. has been. That, that's, and he so, wasn't saying that though. He wasn't saying he didn't have comedy elements. He was just saying that he's he's not a guy that is constantly looking for the joke. No, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. I agree with yeah. that. But I still think the film needs to needs to be more comedy than we're used for used to with Star Wars. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, um, it's interesting to me though. I I'm in this sort of weird camp that yes. Perhaps they hired the wrong people, and they should have known that from the beginning. If they had a vision of the film that they wanted to make, yeah, they hired the wrong people. Or Lord and Miller both said, "Oh yeah, we can get on board with this," and then went on and shot their own thing. Right. Now that would be a different. There's story. a sort of lot. There's a lot of things going on there, but I've always felt like just go ahead and let them do that thing because everybody's going to come see the Han Solo movie no yeah. matter what. You can fix it on the sequel. You're going to make a shit ton of money. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the other side of it. I think that right now they're, they're only they're only three movies into this thing since since Disney bought Lucasfilm and they got to stay consistent in tone because I think that, I mean, you can obviously have, I, I agree with Jeremy that they, it could have comedy elements for sure. And I think that if you get, you I mean, even looking at The Force Awakens and Rogue One, there's there's way more of that trying to lighten it up with some, with some comedy than there is in Rogue One, mm-hmm. but Rogue One, I think they've been through this already. I just think the difference is that Gareth Edwards played ball, as where Lord Miller said, we don't want to play ball, we want to do things our way, and the, and they're leaving because it looks like the same thing's happening. So the, like, the if, if you believe the rumors of Rogue One, they reshot like 70% of the movie. Jeez. So, you know, they're probably going to do the same thing with Ron Howard and, and Kasdan, um, and now the question is whether or not it's going to hit that May date that they're shooting well, for. I, I, mean, can't, I can't imagine. Did Rogue One 
one end up being like an A-plus all-timer that we're just going to cherish forever, or was it just kind of okay? <laughs> well, we may be in the minority with, <laughs> with really? our takes Are on we really? it. Really? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the okay train. Uh, okay. I, 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 yeah, I think that that – I didn't love it as much as my colleagues did. I thought that there was some – I thought the last half of the movie was was gorgeous. I thought it was really cool to watch. Um, there were some fun space battles. There was it was it was I thought that and the way that they went ballsy with Vader and everything that they did there I thought worked very well. I thought there was no character development whatsoever. Um, I think like what Star Wars has been doing very well is setting up stuff in the books and the comics and stuff, but they and the shows. But um, so far the character development hasn't been there yet. And I think Last Jedi hopefully will uh, will will change that. I am actually really optimistic about that. Yeah. All right. Too. Should we get back so, to superheroes? Going I'm sorry. back to the yeah. best superhero <laughs> movies. We uh, so. Here's some others that uh, probably get mentioned in that same breath as Dark Knight a lot of times, even though I think they're still probably a little bit of lower echelon or whatever. Spider-Man 2. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, Now, uh, in this room, we're not as huge of Captain America Winter Soldier fans. Wow. Um, And I don't. I don't know why. It's just I've tried. I tried watching it, and it just yeah. was, <laughs> and it just wasn't wasn't my my thing. Now. Um, uh, I know that you're you love it and everything. Uh, it's I know my you, favorite Marvel film. Yeah, yeah. So so you put that in a probably a best category as too too right. What would you what would you say is is great about uh, Winter Soldier? Uh, I think going back to repeat what I just said before, as far as I like the way that they switched it up as where you, what you had to do with the first Captain America is, and I think they had to do it was go into the period piece and make this this character that could be seen as silly compared to when it was originally created and they did it well with, with putting it back in in the war and then and ending it in modern day and then how do, how do you follow it up and i think but the way that they set it up to where it did feel a little bit of that where we we're just comparing uh dark knight to heat i i felt a bit of the born franchise in um in winter soldier and i and i liked it the way they did that and i liked the conflict that they initiated with steve rogers and i and the introduction the introduction of falcon and and i think it gave a little bit more to scarlett johansson and 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 when and I I actually think Robert Redford is one of the few villains in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that worked. Yeah. Um, so I think there's, there's just that's and, and it's repeat watch for me. I can continue to watch that movie and I and I find more value of, out of it every time that the scene, even though I think they pushed out with the what happened to um, with, with Sam Jackson, the initial scene when you think that he's in peril it worked. Um, there was there was a lot. To, only the Toby the Toby Jones stuff was a little silly, but I think that <laughs> o- o- overall overall I really enjoyed the movie and and um, yeah and I, I just I, I just think that they they hit a home run with that one. No, no, you're in the majority. We yeah. you don't have to defend. I do think I put my finger on why I don't like this and many Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit about Bucky Barnes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. I don't give a shit. Yeah, Ellis. Ellis give... wants to have him assassinated. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just the central focus of like the last three movies, it feels yep. like. Well, and it drove me crazy that they that the Toby Jones character decided to go all the way back to the fucking like yeah. snow <laughs> to find him after he got thrown off the train and everything. Let, you know what? That one dead guy, we could make him into a super yeah. soldier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? So it was one of those type Steve of things. Off. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um uh, another one that doesn't really fit uh, as far as like comic book movies but it's a it's a it's a superhero movie is unbreakable uh, i was hoping we were gonna oh, bring yeah. that up mm-hmm. yeah. and uh and uh obviously uh unbreakable i don't know if i want to like totally like give Spoiler. that away since 2017 we're still in 2017 yeah, but i mean but, but the, you know, the difference i think the reason why you probably could if you wanted to is that they're the way that they're announcing the sequels now it pretty much gave it away that's true that's true yeah he's anyway, tweeting about it like crazy i guess I, yeah. yeah split has a has a very sort of loose connection to unbreakable mm-hmm. i guess they're going to like connect it really hard in the third one yeah 
Um, yeah. But yeah, Unbreakable, man. That just move. That movie makes me smile. I can watch that anytime. It's yeah, so good. it is, in my opinion, uh, every bit as much a masterclass as Sixth Sense in terms of color and camera work. Um, and it's really, I, I don't. As much as M. Night fell off, I never thought the genius inside him left because there's just too much evidence yeah. of it. Um, and I just think he got a little caught up in the wrong things along the way. And now I, I always have a caveat with Unbreakable, and that's that if that ending wasn't the way it was, this, I would probably scream from the rooftops, this is the best superhero movie ever made. But that ending really, I almost turned the movie off before it gets to wow. that well, yeah, it, it, it ends so abruptly with the text. Yeah. Like, like we're watching and Animal House. And he went House. to jail. He ran out oh, of money. Right, right, right. Animal yeah. House. You're, you're, right, right, right. right, right. You're talking, I thought you meant the actual serial killer part, but you're talking, I know exactly, you're right, the end of that movie is, is abrupt. But, you know, it's funny that you guys bring that up because that was going to be my underrated pick. I think that um, because when you watch Split, now – we, we picked up on it right away because the, the Thomas Newton score alone, that yeah. score is so good. But when that comes up, I was I was in. It changed my whole opinion on what the movie was about. Um, but it's, I don't. A lot of people inside of that movie didn't know what the hell was going on because a lot of people haven't really seen Unbreakable or or care for Unbreakable. And I I think it is one. Of, I agree with you guys. I think it's one of the better and more underrated superhero films that is out there. I believe yeah. it's James Newton Howard, but like the the, the composers, yeah. like they start running together. There's <laughs> so many. Newman there's Thomas James Newman, <laughs> Randy Newman, you know, Newton, yeah. Jerry Goldsmith. The Newton boys. I love bringing up the Newton boys. Uh, But yeah, you're right. Like, I I was watching it and I was like, what is this music? Why is it like, why is he copying straight from Unbreakable? And then, oh, okay. That makes a lot of sense. Um, but uh, but yeah, I love that. Is there any other bests that I haven't mentioned? I was just gonna say I don't know. I, I could see you guys either completely disagreeing me and booing me off the stage for this one because I, I I know your sass. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say X Men First Class. No, I love X Men First Class. In that fact, movie. I have that in my favorites category. Yep. I love it. I uh, love it. I, it's one of my favorite X Men movies for sure. And I think that they, you know because it's the actual prequel to Anakin Skywalker we never got. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's got a great villain which i didn't expect mm-hmm. it's, and it does what we were talking about earlier where it kind of gives us a spy genre feel by going back to the 60s and getting that cia yep. stuff involved i yeah. fucking love that i don't yeah. know why x-men is uniquely i would think that they're uniquely able to juggle the too many superheroes mm-hmm. storylines for whatever reason the first x-men x2 uh, x-men first class and then to a certain extent days of future past are able to introduce these characters and give them personality and develop them and to where we actually care about and them. And it's all coming from Fox, who yeah. continues to fuck up everything else they do superhero-wise. <laughs> so I don't know how that happens, but yeah. you're right. You like Deadpool? What, what's that? No, like Deadpool? Oh, Deadpool is obviously an exception to the rule. I also yeah. have in my favorites list, mm-hmm. I have okay. that on there, um, which is, yeah, it is odd. The Fox, the two Fox Marvel movies there that I you know <laughs> consider in my favorites or whatever, but... Uh, X-Men First Class was one that I was like having to tell people about. I'm like, guys, yeah. you got to come see yeah. this. This is way better than you'd ever think. And it's great. Well, because Brett Ratner, Brett Ratner almost killed the whole damn thing. And, and then Wolverine Origins uh, didn't didn't help itself out either. So you had it was no one cared anymore. So yeah. I remember, and, and I think 
that with Matthew Vaughn, Matthew Vaughn is responsible for three really good superhero films in Kick-Ass and mm-hmm. uh, and and comic book movies, Watchmen, uh, not not Watchmen, uh, uh, Kingsman, yeah, Kingsman, and yeah. Uh, and then you know X-Men: First Class. He rebooted and he was supposed to do Days of Future Past. There was a lot of people. Uh, he was he was starting on that, and I think that he just had a really good understanding of what the characters were. He used the he, the the score that he used was really good. I, I think that there's so much to that movie. The only thing that people some people have I think problems with, which I didn't, was the the younger mutants and the way that it was kind of set up and in, in the camp. And I think that was the beginning of it's the it's the only movie I think Jennifer Lawrence wasn't necessarily phoning it in. Oh, Days of Future Past, she wasn't phoning it in, but I think you know it was a good introduction to her as Mystique. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. While we're while we're talking X Men, I'm not part of this group, but the recency bias thing that we made up and talk about a lot is going to have a lot of people saying Logan. Mm-hmm. to answer mm-hmm. for their best super and i loved logan yeah um i i take a lot more time before i call a movie that's recent the best or my favorite i need to watch it several sure. more times but i've seen that a lot out there uh, i want to mention the incredibles yes i'm gonna yeah. go finally on record and say that is the best superhero movie ever made yeah it's the best fantastic four movie ever made yes yeah. yes it is i don't hear that um <laughs> i've said it before it's just got everything the mm-hmm. score is perfect it's got that moment when the missiles are flying toward the plane is as tense as genuinely tense as any other movies tense scenes uh it's one of the only animated movies that makes you forget you're watching a cartoon mm-hmm. uh, because the stakes and the family dynamic, it's just really, it's really perfect film. And uh, I think it's better than everyone we've mentioned today. And I love them all. So, yeah. And I also love, too, that they they get these actors who are vaguely familiar to you as yeah. far as voices are concerned. And, and it's you don't sit there and like think about like Matt Damon or somebody right. like that. Right. He's like in, in the Incredibles, you got Craig T. Nelson, which yeah. is like, uh, I, I think I know who that is. Yeah. And then Holly Hunter, who's a legend, but you know, not somebody that you immediately come to mind or mm-hmm. whatever as a, as somebody who's going to be in a movie like this. And she's got right. that, she's got that great Southern draw. Yep. Well, and yeah. even, uh, Jason Lee, Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a great that, voice not somebody yeah. that you think oh he'd be perfect for animation yeah. but he really was yeah, so yeah. anyway i want to make sure i got that out yeah um yeah. all right so we've gone over our best i've already my favorites have already been mentioned so you guys <laughs> go for your favorites. do you have any other favorites you want to mention christian I mean, I think Kingsman again is up there, and I will. I know that it's it's recent, but I, I watched that movie so many different times because I think that for me, if if I don't have any expectations from a film and it completely just blows me away from the first time, second time, third time I watch it, I can watch that scene when Colin Firth goes in to try to get Eggsy and recruit him for the first time, and he's talking, and then he just kicks the crap out of everybody inside of that bar. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and and as I've made clear, I'm a big music guy, and I think that uh, as the, the score that was happening there and that that clear satire of the spy genre, but mixed with still taking what we're doing seriously and the brutality in in that shirt scene, but oh, still man. making me be able to watch it. It was like there was just so much to it that I just thought it was it's it's a really special movie. And I think Sophia Butella it was it was her coming out party and I and what she was able to do in that film and and Sam Jackson, who I thought when I saw those trailers was going to be absolutely uh, ridiculous, was one of the best parts of the whole entire film. It's a it's a very underrated comic book movie and it is one of my favorites well violence is not for everybody but i don't understand you if you're not giddily laughing by the end of that church scene because mm-hmm. everything about it is designed to make you laugh mm-hmm. it's supposed to be fun yeah. and it, boy it is yeah. it's like a shot of adrenaline um well, and i'm always on board too sophia batella's character is great and i've liked i loved her in star trek beyond and all the yeah. stuff that she's coming out like i haven't seen the mummy i've heard that's not very <laughs> she's good. good in it she's really the movie stinks but she's good in it yeah 
Uh, but uh, but like I I'm always on board with these characters who have these weird traits like blades for feet, yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. <laughs> I just I just it, it, there's a sort of a grindhouse yeah. characteristic to it as well. It's, it's yeah, it's outrageous spy stuff too. But like you know, just like yeah. Jaws and James Bond mm-hmm. or something like that. But but uh, just I, I always love that because it's just yeah. a completely different thing. Mm-hmm. I am forgetting one movie that I, I can't. I, my my childhood would be mad at me if I didn't bring it up. One of my favorite superhero movies of all time is Superman Two. Oh yeah, uh, mm-hmm. and I, I I can take I can take the original cut and I can take the Donner's cut, but I, I that was one of the first that was one of the movies as a kid that I just uh, made me a real movie fan. And Christopher, I still think Christopher Reeve, uh, whether it's uh, Superman, Batman, whoever it might be, he's he's portrayed the best version of any comic book character to date. Well, and I'll echo that. Uh, I always preferred Superman two to the first Superman. Oh yeah, and I think I it's mean, just too. because I experienced them at such a young age. I didn't give a shit about Lois Lane and romance and Can You Read My Mind and all. <laughs> All that I gotta save Lois kind of stuff, and the second one just has so much more action mm-hmm. for a little boy who's mm-hmm. like seven. Like I was always drawn to that one more. So. Yeah, absolutely, that's a great choice. Mm-hmm. Anything else in the favorites? Um, I'll throw out one. Well, Dark Knight is obviously Dark Knight and Incredibles are obviously my two favorites, mm-hmm. uh, but I want to give a little bit of love to Iron Man. Okay, yeah. I almost put it in underrated because even though it got great reviews and everybody loved it, I feel like everyone has forgotten that movie. I it agree. So mm-hmm. much Tony Stark and Iron Man and Avengers stuff and all these other heroes that I think we've kind of started to slowly underrate the original Iron Man, um, maybe just by forgetting it. Well, mm-hmm. it's it came out of fucking nowhere. It, it, it did. Yeah. I mean, this is Iron Man. Nobody was excited to see Iron Man. John Favreau, Robert Downey Jr. is not Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. the way he is now. You know, Jeff Bridges, of course, was turned out to be a great villain. Yeah. Um, but the whole story, the whole focus of that, and now he's become the linchpin in the entire franchise in the universe. Well, but not, it yeah, really just came only, out of nowhere. Not, yeah. Well, not only that is the fact that you people forget that it came out the same year, uh, not not too far removed from the Dark Knight. Right. So, like, mm-hmm. it should it should, nobody like you just said it. Nobody was was looking forward to that movie the way they were looking forward to the Dark Knight. And yeah, comic book um, comic book fans were expecting it, and knew who he was. But other people, it's like, wait a minute, this is kind of it's kind of Batman. Rich guy designs a suit and fights crime. We got that coming out in a couple of months here. What are, what are we doing? And then you see what they did. The only problem I have with the first Iron Man is the 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 ending. I think that the, it's like the whole movie, which I loved, was the fact that Tony Stark is going through this this trial period of how to make the perfect suit he can't figure it out and then you know jeff bridges just goes oh just let's put the iron giant together and now i'm gonna fight yeah (laughs) well and you know that's symptomatic of i i'm definitely fudging a little bit when i make these claims but that's what all the marvel movies it always ends up feeling like an evil version of the hero and a punch battle yep at least for a lot of them yeah yeah um so anyway i wanted to throw out some love to iron man uh we can move on to underseen now okay Underseen, uh, Christian, do you have anything that you feel is underseen in this genre? Well, there were two, and and I, we we talked to about Unbreakable. I still think that not as many people have seen it, especially a younger generation hasn't seen Unbreakable. Maybe they'll see it more now because of uh, the the fact that we just had Split, and now we have Mr. Glass or Glass coming out. Um, I think Super is one yeah. that ah, people, yes. mm-hmm. people yep. haven't seen. Rain Wilson is is something in that movie, man. Um, it's a movie that I think a lot of people haven't checked out. And I would also put in I would also put the first kick ass in there. Yeah. I know that it's it it didn't do very well 
in the theater. A lot mm-hmm. of people don't realize that because it started to catch on with fans. And, and again, Internet has just changed the lifespan of films and franchises in general because it caught on by the same way kind of like Fight Club caught on down the line because Fight Club also didn't do very well right. in the box office. Um, but I think that those movies and I think that there's a, it is also a theme with me as with with both Kick-Ass and Super is that this different type of brutality and different version of a superhero that we just don't normally see. Right. Yeah. Uh, super. Uh, I actually recently watched this and um, yeah, Rain Wilson's is great. And, and Ellen Page, yeah. I think, practically steals that movie. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. The brutality that's involved. It's, it's one of these things where people are way in over their heads. And then when they actually start doing things that are quote unquote, right, it's, it gives you a different look at this character. Like, cause he's going around hitting people with wrenches yeah, yeah. and they're like denning people's heads, yeah. you know, yeah. like killing people pretty much. Yeah. And, uh, and anyway, he's, he's struggling with this whole, like, you know, is this right to do and everything? Of course, he's got this whole like guided by God, guided by Jesus. Mm-hmm. The, Nathan Fillion plays this character who's like a uh, like a some sort of like uh, I guess Jesus superhero type mm-hmm. character who keeps giving him what Rain Wilson believes are secret messages oh. to keep doing the stuff that he's doing, and uh, and yeah, it's just uh, it's it's fun. James Gunn did that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Um, yeah, what else, guys? I want to give some love to some animated straight-to-home video Batman movies. Bring it. Okay. Um, now, I'm a Batman guy. I was a Batman boy all the way through college. <laughs> Bat boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and much like the Killing Joke, it was Killing Joke, right? Yeah. It came out a year or so ago and hit yep. the theaters yeah. and then we send it. Um, they've taken a lot of the classic Batman storylines and turned them into animated films, and they've been playing a lot on HBO for the past few years, and I've watched several that I've really enjoyed. Now, that may be my Batman bias. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to give some shout-out to Mask of the Phantasm, especially yeah. since it was just announced that's going to hit Blu-ray. It's not mm-hmm. really underseen by Batman fans, mm-hmm. but by film fans in general, it certainly is, and it's it's considered by a lot of Batman fans to be the best Batman movie, well, even over Dark Knight. Sort of a novelty, too, because it actually had a movie theater run yeah whereas these others they may get like a weekend or something and then go straight to blu-ray but like uh but that one actually had a run i have a i have a button from the movie theater yeah (laughs) yeah um and i also love the year one and the dark knight returns yeah Um, Yeah. and there's two parts to the dark knight returns and i'm not sure the batman community enjoys that one as much as i do i think year one is pretty well received in general uh, but I still read those stories regularly. I've got the graphic novels on my shelf. Like, I'm just, it's just my happy place. So that's mm-hmm. underseen on all three of those, I think. Yeah. Well, I'm actually on an underseen Batman movie also, and I think that it's the best Batman movie we've had in a little bit, and that's the Batman Lego movie. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Good call. <laughs> the Batman Lego movie was, it felt like over the last couple of years, as people were trying to find what the essence of Batman was all about, they nailed it. Like, 100% nailed it. Yeah. And yeah, we had, there's the comedy elements to it, but it, it took itself... It it obviously played a lot of jokes, but it did take the character of Batman very seriously. Like that is who Batman was. I my my daughter, my five and a half year old daughter, loves the film. I love the film, and I think that it did it did okay. It didn't have the it didn't have that kind of the same type of clout or or financial um, gain that that they were Warner Brothers was hoping it was going to have. And I think that a lot of people didn't see it because they're just like ah, the Batman Lego movie is a side character from the Lego film, and I yeah. think that was a mistake. Yeah, yeah kind of crazy too because the Lego movie is just beloved, and I believe. The 
the Batman character was beloved oh, in yeah, that yeah. thing too. So it was kind of interesting to see it not do as well as the original Lego movie did. Yeah, and I think it. I mean. I loved Lego Batman, but I will say the last 20 minutes get so goddamn zany. Yeah. It's hard for me to focus and stay in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think you're right that amidst all the jokes, they got so much about Batman and Bruce Wayne correct. Yeah. Uh, but I love that you brought that up. I love that. Yeah. Um, Barrett, you got any underscenes? I've got a very underseen movie that was way ahead of his time. It's Mystery Men. Oh, yeah. I was glad, I'm glad somebody's bringing that one up. Man, what a cast. What a cast. And... What a bomb. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like this movie did not it was expected to do great and almost nobody liked it. I'm not sure if it was expected to do great, but it it, it definitely had the pedigree to do great. Sure. Because it had all these people in it. It did, but what a zany storyline. I mean yeah. these are these are hard characters, I guess, to get behind. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you're going in expecting a traditional superhero movie. Yeah. This movie grows on you hard. Absolutely though. it like, does. I didn't really like it when I saw it uh, as much as I hoped I would or expected to and uh, um, multiple recent viewings I'm like damn this movie is the jam like yeah. I'm totally <laughs> feeling what it's going for right now somehow some way you end up watching like all of it yes. whenever it starts up absolutely or yeah mystery man I tried to I mean it was funny because you said no one's brought it up and I, I tried to ignore it hopefully no one was going to bring it up um, <laughs> I'm I'm just not I've never been a Ben Stiller guy. Yeah. But it does say that everybody really says the same things that you guys just said and that that it holds up. It's better on repeat viewing. So I probably should go back and watch it again. Um, Do you guys think the losers counts as as a as a superhero film? The losers. Not Jason Biggs. Chris Evans. uh, Idris Elba. It was a It was one of the last Joe's. Yeah, I saw this, but I, I. I can't remember much about it. I heard it. I remember liking it too. The one with uh, it was Chris Evans Uhura? and uh, it was a, oh, I have Zo- seen that. Zoe Saldana. It was it was before they were all like the the big cat was before. Is that uh, based Zo- on a comic? I think that it was, and I, that's why I'm bringing it up. But I, I could be completely. I really wrong. enjoy that movie. It's pretty campy, yeah. um, but I thought it was interesting. Really it's what the it's what the Expendables movies should have been. <laughs> Absolutely, one hundred percent. It also came out around the time I think. It it was there was some other movie. It was like, wasn't it like the A Team? Like oh, a lot, a lot of people bit, were yeah. comparing it to the A Team, so it kind of sort of got lost in the shuffle of all of that type of stuff. But I remember like watching it and going, "Yeah, I kind of like this." But now I've like I've totally forgotten most, right. of, most <laughs> right. of everything about it. Um, all right, on my underscene, I'm going to go with Dread. Oh, oh nice. yeah. yeah, great choice. Um, Dread is a movie that uh, if you like the raid, yeah. you'll like Dread. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I re- Dread, the problem with it is is that the stench of Judge Dread from 1995 <laughs> is so fierce. Yeah. It is a that, fierce stench. So that, that even like 15 years later, they couldn't come out with a Dread movie <laughs> and people go, oh, well, you mean like that Stallone shit yeah. that came out? Like, uh. Uh, but this movie is, it, you know, we were talking about, you know, Dark Knight and stuff like that, doing, you know, sort of uh, taking it to a new level. I think Dread kind of does that too. It's, oh, yeah. it's a smaller type of movie, mm-hmm. but uh, but man, is it it's so fun to watch. Well, and Carl Urban is just one of my favorite dudes. Mm-hmm. Like he just keeps showing up. Like he's great in the Star Trek series. He's mm-hmm. great in the Lord of the Rings stuff, and he's great in this. And it's the balls of him, the director in the movie, to say we're not going to even show his face. Like mm-hmm. he's going to keep that mask <laughs> right. on the entire time. Um, 
I think subconsciously sells the story's realism, even though this is a this is a crazy ass plot with a drug that makes time slow down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cersei Lannister at the top of the building murdering fools. Yeah. Um, but I I love the fuck out of this movie. Mm, I watched I too, this man. movie I... and Lockout, the one where the one where he goes to space with Maggie Grace. It's a uh, memento. Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce. Oh, Have you ever seen that? No. Oh, it's yeah. bad, but it's so much fun. And yeah, I, I watched them. like a high quality sci-fi superhero comic thing, and then I watched a really low quality thing that was tons of fun. <laughs> I really, I really love the hell out of that movie, even though I think it's terrible. Well, I remember Dread coming out, and I was telling people, "You gotta watch Dread. It's way better than you'd think, and yeah. everything." And it took. Uh, it took a long time for some people to yeah. actually end up watching it and everything and they're like yeah you're right yeah the unfortunate part with uh with dread not a lot of people seeing the theaters i think that i mean i'm i'm i don't like 3d at all i think it's completely overused yeah. and just a, a rip off of people's cash but i think that the 3d that was used in dread was some of the best since like avatar I yeah think it's, yeah it's done very well i think that it's funny the points that we really like about it is one of the reasons uh i think that it didn't do as well because you just had an actor that carl urban who i agree is is great isn't very famous and so him leading in the first place is one thing the second thing is that his face is covered the entire time <laughs> um and then i agree that like, every single person that i had mentioned oh i'm going to see dread like that oh stallone's doing another one <laughs> like, oh, no, rob schneider's nowhere to be seen i promise <laughs> i had the same sort of issue back in the day when batman begins came out yeah like um there were some people who who just decided that those were connected to Batman forever and Batman and Robin and all that. And they were like, why are they doing <laughs> another one? And, right. uh, and like, even to the point that at the end of Batman begins, when you see the Joker card and everything, I had somebody come, this guy who worked with me at the movie theater came up to me and said, well, how can they get bring Joker back? They killed him in that first one. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That's what they were. That's what Batman Begins was sort of dealing with back in 2005. That's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, okay, so underrated. Underrated. Christian, do you have an underrated one? Yeah, I was just talking about this yesterday, actually. I think The Incredible Hulk's underrated. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. That's, a, that's a good choice. Yeah. I think The Incredible Hulk is very underrated. And I think that one of the reasons it's so underrated is because the MCU it was not part of it. It wasn't really what it is today. It was still building. Um, that fart bomb that Ang Lee did was still in everybody's <laughs> noses. So, like, uh, like that that certainly didn't help it. And I think that Just Edward so you know, Norton, I almost picked that Ang Lee one for my underrated. <laughs> just FYI. <laughs> really? just, as a, just as an aside, the Ang Lee one is is so well shot yeah. that you yeah, expect a better movie yeah. out of it. You fooled. You yeah. fooled into yeah. thinking you're watching something <laughs> right. Yeah, but yeah, giant dog scene is the best part. Nick, <laughs> Nick, 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 I still don't know what I was doing now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, I think that The Incredible Hulk, there was so much to it that really worked. I think if that movie comes out like five years later, it does a lot better at the box office and more people really care about it in general because that's because the box office wasn't that strong. That's one of the reasons we hadn't seen that standalone movie and with Thor Ragnarok, this is the first time I think that Hulk's going to finally get a little bit more of a starring role this time around. Yeah. Well, and as I learned the hard way after making a mistake in a Sins video, this movie actually is the start of what we know of as the MCU. Mm. Because we've got, what's his name, playing the general in Civil War in this movie, playing right. the same character, like right. Be Be Betsy's dad or whatever the mm -hmm. fuck. Mm -hmm. Well, and then um, the end scene, like right, right as the right before the credits, it's not necessarily a post-credit scene, but you know, Downey and uh, and and Hurt have that conversation at the bar at the yep. end of it, and that's kind of yep. setting it up, also. Yeah, and uh, you know, because they changed Hulk actors, my brain just didn't nev never thought, oh, that was actually the first MCU. Did, movie. Iron Man, Iron Man came out first. Iron though. Man, yeah, Iron Man was the very first MCU. Oh, it movie came out before. Yeah, Hulk? and then Incredible Hulk yeah. came out later yeah. in the summer. 
well then cut everything I said. <laughs> well, no, but no, it doesn't really though because the connection, the the big connection of of that scene really started to set up the event, uh, the Avengers initiative. So you're mm-hmm. you're you're right because what what it did there in that particular scene was was start to get our our minds moving. Even though the way that they were actually setting it up was kind of thrown in the trash, but it was it was to get our heads going. Well, wait a minute, they're going to put all these characters together, and uh, the, the, I thought that was a nice setup for them to do it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. Uh, all right, what about you guys? Um, I. I could make a case for Hulk. Uh, uh-huh. I could, um, but I'm not going to. I'm going to do something <laughs> just as stupid and try and make a case for Spider-Man 3. Okay. Uh, I'm and leaving. Now, <laughs> now here's, the, here's the problem. It is not as bad as we say it is. It's just so much worse than the first two. It feels worse. Right well, now, and there's crap in there. Emo Peter is not good. <laughs> the final battle's not good. I can see Christian is having a hard time fighting his cubs. <laughs> um, there is good shit in here. That opening fight with Harry is just as good as any of the battles and fights in the first two. Sandman's movies. transformation. Sandman's transformation is fantastic. He's actually great. That that actor's great. Thomas, Thomas Church. Church is great in the whole movie. Um, I'm not a fan of the Venom stuff. Mm. There's there are problems. My point is, society treats this movie like an F minus. And I think it's more like a D plus or a C minus. <laughs> I'll, give, I'll give you that. <laughs> I'm not saying it's an A. I'm using the very literal definition of underrated. Okay. It is rated lower right. than I think it should be, uh, yeah. even though it is a turd. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're and- saying the criminal doesn't deserve the death penalty. No, no, right. no, right. never, right. actually. Let's get right. deep. Uh, Let's talk about corporal punishment. Yes, <laughs> and, and you made an important distinction, by the way, that underrated, like a lot of times we, we look at words like underrated and overrated and think they mean equal something. Like mm. underrated equals, oh, it's great. Yeah, yeah. Overrated, oh, that means it's, you know, it's bad. Doesn't yeah, necessarily right. mean that. It means that I enjoy, like I enjoy something that's overrated, but not as much as other people. Yeah, right. 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 Well, it's funny that you bring up. I mean, it's very similar to what we were just talking about with Lord and Miller. Is that Sam Raimi had a lot of issues with the studio for this one. Yep. Uh, he, he he was made to put certain things into the movie he didn't want to. His certain vision didn't go in there. I still blame him for the dancing on top of the piano and all that silliness <laughs> because that that single handedly almost makes it an F for me. It's and everyone's crying in the movie. It doesn't matter who it is. If a pizza man delivers a pizza he's crying when he goes, <laughs> it's, it's just it is it, you're right that there's some stuff in there that you're like well wait a minute you 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 clearly had something yeah but it just all fell apart so it, you you lost you lost me when you started talking about it but you got me back when you were when you started saying it's not it's just a d plus right. i agree with you there what's fascinating to me is that they messed with him so hard on this third movie like mm. Yeah. He's just he's a stud for you. Like Spider-Man opened to the gr- highest grossing ever at the time. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man 2 was an even bigger hit and the critics liked it even more. You don't give that guy some rope? Yeah. You're going to force right. Venom down his throat well, for toy sales? You know what? The, there's a lot of other things going on in there too and you know these studios I think panic when they don't they feel like they can't put in certain characters. Yeah. Uh, and they were like, well, we need to jam them in right now so that we can build this universe and everything. And it's just, it's just too much. If yeah. it could have just been Sandman only, yeah. we would have been fine. Yeah. I think that um, works a lot better. And, and no emo Peter and all yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, I think it's also a matter of regime change sometimes with studios. And I don't know if it's necessarily the, the, the case with that one, but I'm sure bet- there's probably some executive changes from the time he was working on two, from the time that he hit, uh, three and other cooks, there's too many cooks in the kitchen sometimes. So you never really know what's going on behind the scenes that who clashed with him and who was maybe not clashing with him when he was doing number two. Yeah. Yeah. 
Barrett, do you got an under underrated? Yeah, and it's not a traditional superhero movie, but it's Constantine. Ooh. Oh, okay. This is this movie's a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it's a lot better. It's forty six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. It has is, Young Shia in it, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, young Shia is the best Shia. Yeah, that's really <laughs> <laughs> that's really the only Shia you should be paying attention yeah. to. Uh, but man, I there's very few exceptions. The Matrix and Bill and Ted's where I enjoy Canoe's performance as much as I like this. Canoe. Um, He's he's a lot of fun. Like he's relaxed. He's he's miserable. Like he's survived a suicide attempt, and he he's destined for hell. So he's trying to win his way back. Rachel Weisz is really good in this. Well, I forgot um, she was in that. It's just a lot of fun, man. Mm-hmm. I, you know, they you can tell they're not taking themselves too seriously. And I know it's based on the comic book, which does the same. Uh, but there's a lot of elements in here that make it very, very watchable. I think it's underrated. I, I have that's seen good... it in forever. I haven't seen it since yeah. it came out. Yeah, I saw it in the theater. That was it. Yeah. Can I throw in? Can, can I throw in the first half of Hancock? Yeah, yes. sure. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was just, we talked about Hancock before, and the reason why I think ultimately that movie's not not great is that we don't want the superhero. We don't want him to not be drunk anymore. We right. don't want him to like get through his issues. We yeah. want him to be that all the way through. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where if a character improves, it actually makes the movie worse. Yeah, yeah. It should have been the bad Santa of superheroes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. It, it made a ton of money though. I'm surprised. I mean, they've been talking about a sequel forever, haven't they? Oh, Are so. they ever going to do chatter. it? Not sure. I mean, I think Peter, Peter Berg has been doing so many different things and I think he's kind of found his stride in the other movies, whether it's, you know, Patriot's day or lone, lone survivor and, and just what he's been doing in general. What was it? What was the other one he did with, um, with Wahlberg? But anyway, he's been doing, Deep he's Water. been doing a bunch. Yes. Deep yeah. Water Horizon. Yeah. Um, I think that he's kind of find his, his stride there and I know he directed a, an episode or two of leftovers. I don't know if he's looking to go back to that genre, but, um, who knows? Yeah. Um, I'm going to, on my underrated, I've got a couple, um, uh, Watchmen is one that I have yeah. horrible time. Uh, like I don't like. Here's here's another one of those perfect examples of something being underrated and not necessarily being a complete success. Yeah. Uh, I I I love watching this movie mm-hmm. though, and when I first watched it, I I hated it. Oh really? On the first one? Yeah, hated the movie. Mm-hmm. The next time I watched it, I was like, ah, man, there are some great moments in here. Yep. Um, and I will hold on to those moments as far as basically saying this is a much better movie than you think. Um, I, I I think there's a lot just really stupid. The sex scene is dumb. (laughs) The, um, uh, you know, just, just general things like that. It's way too, way too long. Yes, it is. Um, but. Overall, I, I I think it's a good, mo- I think it's a decent movie. Yeah, if it, I mean, it's it's got the Zack Snyder trademark of being overlong and overwrought. But if he had an editor that could say, no, we need to, we really need to trim this. There, it, there's definitely a good movie in there, and I, I think he was too beholden to the graphic novel fans. I mean, he literally wanted to shoot every page except for of course the end uh which i think if they had gone for that it would really been awesome yeah well and there's a pocket out there we may find out in a second if christian's a part of it that adores this movie and thinks it's an a plus uh that has never been me i this is this movie and cloud atlas are the same movie to me in that i've watched them five or six times and i still can't tell you how i truly feel about them yeah there's enough yeah. good that i keep going back but there's enough bad that i can't really embrace it mm-hmm. um so that that's I, I think that's a good call. I don't think in in our circle that movie is nearly as bad as we talk about it as being. Well, and on the IMDb, it's a seven point six. Oh wow, really? That's way up there. Wow. 
but yeah, that's one that in general I have a hard time. If I bring up that I kind of like it, people kind of go, "No, it's just a it's terrible a, movie." It's at sixty five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, I think it's a movie that needs to be watched again for sure. And I do think, I mean, I, I, I I'm with you actually, Jeremy. I, I think it's a movie that I watch and I go, eh, you know, I, I visually, I, I really like that's. I feel you say that about Zack Snyder every time. Visually, he he knocks it out of the park every single time. And as far as as far as looking at um, the graphic novel and be able to take it straight from the page and put it on the he he succeeded 100 yeah. percent um i just felt like something didn't transfer over from the graphic novel as far as storytelling went and i and i there was and i thought matthew good who i have grown to like since was horrendous oh yeah mm. he was so bad in the ending that i was like i just bailed completely from it because he was so bad but i it's funny because that could be just something of an actor who's pretty talented working with a director that just didn't direct him the right way um and uh, it just yeah there were certain things in that movie i thought rorschach was the best part about it there are yeah. things in there more so than we were just talking about with Spider-Man Three, but there are a lot of things in there that work. Mm. Um, it just it just was a movie that I was looking forward to because I was such a fan of the graphic novel that I didn't really like it the way I wanted to. Interesting. Another one that I'd throw out there, we don't need to talk about it too much, is the Amazing Spider-Man. Oh mm -hmm. yeah, uh, it's another one that I think has gotten decently rated over the years. Like IMDb's got it at seven, um, but. Every time I'm in in like some sort of company and there's a that one gets mentioned, people generally say, "Oh, that was terrible." Well, like, it's a it, terrible movie. When it came out, I remember its reception being lukewarm, mm -hmm. um, yeah. just because it wasn't up to what Raimi was doing in the early part of his run. <laughs> it's better than Spider-Man Three, but well, yeah, but <laughs> well, here's the deal: it's it's got its problems. The turning of the cranes is as cheesy as emo Peter. I'm <laughs> not gonna lie to you, but. There's something about Andrew Garfield in this role yeah. that makes me like Spider-Man and Peter Parker more than when Tobey Maguire was in the role. And I think Tobey Maguire is totally likable and a mm -hmm. great actor, uh, but there was there was some kind of edge there that he brought, and I'm I'm really sad, especially because Emma Stone was playing his Gwen. I'm really sad that well she died in the second one, so I guess she wouldn't have continued. I'm sad we don't get to keep seeing these people mm -hmm. um, because I, I think he would have been a a great Spider-Man, even in this MCU. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I really, I actually really like the first, uh, the amazing Spider-Man. I think it's because Andrew Garfield was to me, I mean, now I, I do think that, um, Tom Holland is the perfect, the perfect version of Spider-Man that I read in the comics. But I think that, but Andrew Garfield was really the first one. I said, well, that's, that's kind of the Spider-Man that I knew. Even though Raimi did it better in two with, as far as an overall film, I felt like they captured the essence of who Spider-Man really was in that first one. The yeah. problem was that they were doing the Ian Zierding, uh, you know, nine two and oh, is that he was like 35 playing a 17 year old. So it was yeah. like, so there was only so long he could do it, but he knew, but he, Garfield was a fan of the character. You could See the chemistry between him and Emma Stone were were great. There was there was some sloppy stuff going on for sure, but I even thought that their relationship with Dennis Leary worked very well. Oh yeah, um, mm -hmm. there's a lot in there that was that I thought was good and warranted a sequel. They just dropped the ball so bad for the sequel oh that Marvel God. said thank you. Yeah, they dropped it hard. That was the first time that uh, Andrew Garfield was compared to Ian Ziering. <laughs> yes, that's true. It's very ah, true. Um, okay, so is there anything else that you guys want to bring up? in this topic at yeah, all I forgot to mention in my favorites uh spawn no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> what about what about the hbo animated series that came out for spawn oh man i love it yeah that, that was good mm -hmm. um so spawn's good. worth watching uh if you ever like pass it if you're on a scene with john leguizamo that's it's funny yeah <laughs> that's about the only thing you can say about it but the the animated hbo series reminds me that they're gonna do watchman animated yes. series with ah. uh damon lindelof uh heading it uh that, sh that I mean, that could be good. You mm -hmm. never know. HBO, I think we got good. They're also, by the way, from what I've read, 
DC is going to start merging the Watchmen in the comics into their regular universe with like really? Batman and stuff. Hmm. Huh. Well, it would make hmm. sense why Zack Snyder puts all these Watchmen things in his Batman v Superman and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, I don't just think he likes Watchmen too much. Yeah, you, you might be right. Yeah. All right, well, that'll do it for this topic. Now, uh, I'm, I, I'm sorry I'm unfamiliar. Do you need to go, Christian, or do you, can you stay on, or what's going on? Yeah, I guess stick around for a little bit more if you guys want to keep yeah, me on. Yeah, uh, sure. we're going we're gonna to talk about box office hits and yeah. stuff like that. It's not about the money, money, money. Straight cash, Where's the money, Lebowski? When do we talk about money? Money. <laughs> well, that's the easy part. Uh, what are people watching today? And I guess just general discussion about box office in general. Um, since we're in the summer and everything, and you know, records get broken. It seems like every year. Yeah. yeah. Um, there are two two modes of thought here. Uh, one is there are these records are are hollow because not nearly as many people are watching movies as they used to. But at the same time, I hate it when people say Gone with the Wind would have been an all-time box office champ because of inflation. And uh, and it's like, yeah, but if Gone with the Wind came out today, it wouldn't make a billion you know, dollars. <laughs> There's no way it Well, would. and as I think I said before when we discussed Gone with the Wind, it didn't have the competition. Like, yeah. It didn't have, there weren't 4,000 screens, you know, playing Gone with the Wind it was up against Titanic or yeah, something. Yeah. I mean, it was basically the only game in town. Um, right. So, I mean, you have to, I don't, I've never liked that account for inflation thing. Inflation is real. I get it. But I wish we would stop counting money and start counting tickets sold yeah. or something along that. But right. you know what? It's it'll, uh, The reason why it'll never be that way is because first off it's it's i think it's difficult to figure that out like the number of people maybe not maybe it's not as hard as i'm thinking it is but people don't really care about the the people numbers yeah. like if you find out that oh it was a 1.2 million people watched it or whatever you know it's not as it's not as sexy as seeing like money. you know the money yeah exactly right. well i mean the other thing that's really big right now too is that it's it's less about it used to be all about like what did it make in the u.s domestically uh, oh man it's it's it made so much domestically it's a hit internationally is starting to change uh franchise expansion in general because you look at like triple x just got it triple x didn't do very well here at all but it did well internationally so that's getting another movie the mummy's doing well internationally transformers does uh okay here now and does great internationally so international box office is something where the numbers are really being looked at to in order for franchises to continue yeah movie fans are going to have a, a rude awakening as we slowly realize we're not the center of the universe mm -hmm. right why do they keep making pirates and ice age movies because the fucking uh, rest of the world eats that shit up <laughs> even though we're tired of it like Guys, they love it you look at yeah. worldwide grosses the movies that dominate that list all pretty much come from the last seven years. Mm -hmm. There mm -hmm. are there's one Titanic that's the you know anomaly in all this, but like, uh, and then if you get even past the top fifteen of those, it's just it's two thousand this, two thousand that, two thousand. The international market is so much more important than it used to be, and mm -hmm. we I still hear people say, well, it didn't make it made only this amount of money or whatever, talking about the domestic gross, and like Christian was saying. You know, the mummy is going to end up making money or, mm -hmm. or at least break even by the time. Yeah, no, they it'll make money. It's definitely going to make but internationally. It'll make money, especially yeah. known properties. All not all of them, but a great majority of these things are sequels. Mm -hmm. You got all the Fast and Furiouses. You've got the Pirates movies. You've got, you know, the Star Wars movies. Everything is a known property. And that's, I guess, driving all that wor worldwide interest. Case in point, 
in the top 15 of worldwide grosses right now. There are two movies from this year yeah. that are in that, that list. Beauty and the Beast, mm-hmm. which has made over $1.2 billion worldwide. Wow. And The Fate of the Furious. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. It's made over $1.2 billion. And these are like months old. It's not even like it's been the entire year. Yeah, yeah exactly. 1.2 already, huh? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's why, and that's what's going to keep happening, man. And you look at, and that's why, if you look at, like, even with Triple X, is that the box office, the the movie star, it definitely for us domestically, the movie star is leading a movie is kind of the the way of the dinosaur. It doesn't really happen anymore. It's more about genre. It's more about sometimes even director than it is the movie star. However, internationally, that's not really the case. Um, Vin Diesel, uh, Tom Cruise, they still open movies internationally. The movie star opens internationally, doesn't necessarily open domestically. Well, that's the thing that Tom Cruise thing is an interesting sort of aspect, right? Because here in America, his his image got super tarnished. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, yeah, there's still people who are like, I like Tom Cruise, uh, you know, whatever, who cares what he does uh, outside of this or whatever. Uh, but worldwide, it's not the same deal. They don't care about all that type of stuff that we get all hyped up on and yeah. everything. Tom Cruise is still Tom Cruise. So, uh, yeah, anything he comes out with is going to have a right. high profile. Well, mm-hmm. and we, we are talking in general terms, international box office, but what, I mean, I think China is one of the biggest reasons this is blown up so yep. much because we've only recently been able to get our films regularly into China to be mm. seen because this is a communist right. country that greatly right. controls everything. And I, I remember well, like Iron Man 3, I think, was mm-hmm. the one that shot different scenes yeah. for the Chinese version of the movie than they That's shot right. for yeah. the American version. And Iron Man 3 is in the top 15 all time. Worldwide. Jesus! <laughs> and see, here's the here's my... I may be wrong, but I have this inkling that our obsession as a culture with box office numbers and specifically opening weekend box office numbers. Now you'll see headlines with how much a movie makes on Thursday night before yeah. it opens on Friday. <laughs> I think it has trained us as a culture to to be more obsessed with that first weekend, both as when we're going to go see it and how much we care about it. Right. Because some of these numbers you're dropping about total box office. I've never heard these. All I remember hearing was that Beauty and the Beast had like the biggest something opening ever. And I was like, well, that's because everybody went to see it. It used to be back in the day, you would wait a little while for Mm -hmm. word of mouth and reviews. And you you wouldn't give so much money to Transformers the last night opening weekend. You would wait to find out it was good before you gave it any money. And now we're in this perpetual motion machine gotta be first to watch it and then say something about it yeah but that's also because so much comes out now i mean like it's like like summer summer's extended the summer season uh movies have extended now essentially in april and even even you can even make an argument with march you know like last year with batman v superman because the real estate is not there anymore the way it used to be like there was like one or two big movies and then like the little side movies but now with mcu DCEU, uh, Star Wars, like all this stuff. There's so much to be had in the, in this this time period that you know it, 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 you, you have to go see it first. Otherwise, the movie that you want to see next week is out in theaters, or you don't want to spend the money on it at all. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. Very good point. So you know, what are we watching? What's making the money? Mm-hmm. Basically, it's it, you look at the top ten worldwide. It's it's Avatar, Titanic, Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Jurassic World, The Avengers, Furious 7, <laughs> Avengers Age of Ultron, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, Frozen, and Beauty and the Beast are in oh. the top 10. 
Um, wow. and there, that's very, there's very few just original movies in that, in that top or 10. Good ones. Yeah. You could make an argument about that too. Um, I think I heard a few that I would call good to great. Mm-hmm. And then I heard a lot of shit. Yeah. Like when we were <laughs> prepping for this episode, I went to IMDb or someplace, Mojo, whatever, looked up the top 50 grossing movies of all time. And I emailed you guys and said, what a bunch of shit. Like, <laughs> we just love shit movies. Like, because originally we were planning to, to pick favorites and underseen and underrated and best out of this list. And I couldn't come up with anything. I don't yeah. like any of these movies enough to say it's my favorite. Really? Get the fuck out of here. I mean, fucking Minions is 13. I know. I know. Minions stinks. Minions stinks. Oh, my God. Fucking yeah. Minions. Yeah. And 13th now- all time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not a big Minions fan. Oh, my uh, God. Can't, I can't fucking believe that shit. Um, so, uh, anyway... Um, uh, thanks to Christian Harloff for coming out here and yeah. uh, talking to us. Uh, well, over Skype, not out here, but you know what I mean. <laughs> no, virtually he, out here. Yes, through the digital, uh, you know, the digital tubes. Um, <laughs> he went into the internet like Freakazoid. <laughs> That's right, man. It's like Tron style. Legacy up in this bitch. <laughs> um, black cat, black cat deja vu. <laughs> yes, it is. Hey, would you give our listeners one more roundup of where they can find you uh, if they want to follow you on Twitter or watch your videos and stuff like that? Absolutely. Um, and, and thanks again, guys. I had a lot of fun talking with you guys. I'd love to talk with you about movies anytime you want. So um, for me, it's, if you want to find me on Twitter or Instagram, it's just at Christian at K-R-I-S-T-I-A-N Harloff, H-A-R-L-O-F-F. As far as videos go, um, Schmoes No, obviously, on YouTube. But Collider Video, we have Collider Movie Talk, which is essentially kind of sports center for uh, for, for movies. Um, Collider Jedi Council. But like I talked about at the top of the show, the movie trivia Schmodown is, is kind of my baby and a thing I'm very proud of. Go there. Go to the playlist movie trivia schmodown on collider videos please give us a subscribe if you can and uh thanks again guys really appreciate it oh, thank you thanks for spending so much time talking movies we appreciate it yep. yeah absolutely looking forward to coming out there in august yeah we'll so. see you in a couple months in august thank all you right guys. guys so uh yeah thanks to christian harloff for uh coming in we're gonna talk a little bit more still about some box office uh even though even though he has he has left us uh barrett what were you what were you talking about that you wanted to bring up i mean some of the surprises that i saw on the worldwide list i know that there, there's a bunch of shit but it's just it, it's very interesting to me that there's two Furiouses in the top 11. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, even though it's a known property and there's there's Vin Diesel and there's something driving it, no pun intended. Right. That, that's just ludicrous to me. And it, it's got to be some sort of uh, formula that the studios can can punch in and say, this is going to appeal to this audience, obviously a multicultural audience, uh, a cast that, that'll sell, a very simplistic story, unbelievable type of stunts, and that's going to be it. But is that going to be the way of the future? And, and that's, that's going to be the, the leaders from here on out? Yeah. We used to live in a time when the top 10 all-time highest grossing movies list was some measure of reflection of the culture's esteem of that film, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Because you had shit, like back when I was a kid, it was shit, shit like E.T. and Star Wars, and just beloved stuff. And now you look through this list, and very few of these are like beloved, right? Like Minions, yeah, right? <laughs> Nobody's going, oh, God, I love the Minions. Nobody, gives, nobody gives a fuck. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. so what's happened is now that the dollars don't represent the same thing they used to, it just re- represents pure profit, Um and, you know, they're just going to keep driving that. Let's put this through a randomizer here for a second, mm-hmm. as I did when I was when I was going through. Yeah. Jeremy, uh, <laughs> that was my that was my randomizer noise. <laughs> Expert randomizer noise. That's exactly that's exactly how it sounds. Um, no, uh, I went through and I started like because a, a lot of 
good box office researches to see if a movie ever was in the top 10. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you see stuff like Jurassic Park, which was, you know, way up there. When it first came out mm-hmm. in 1993, it was second. It was second all time behind wow. E.T. Wow. Mm. That's in 1993. It's now 24th. All time. Interesting. And E.T. was up there forever, too, wasn't it? E.T. was. Now, E.T. had several advantages. Uh, It was re-released many, many times. (laughs) So so was Star Wars, um, which is always in that top 10. You know, I mean, even now, I think it's in the... Is it now? Is it still? It's 70 worldwide, and it's still number 11 domestic. Yeah, it's... it's, it's, Yeah, and Star Wars had, yeah, like I said, numerous re-releases. Uh, but I looked back in 1983 at what the top 10 of all time oh, was. Oh, I'm curious to hear this list. Um, E.T. was number one, and then Star Wars, Jaws, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Empire Strikes Back, The Exorcist, <laughs> Gone with the Wind, Grease. This is the unadjusted Gone with the Wind. Uh, Grease, The Sound of Music, and The Sting. Pretty much all great movies. Interesting. Almost wow. all of these are good. Very Spielberg-y. I still yeah, haven't seen Spielberg-y. Pretty Dresses yet, but other than that, the list sounded pretty quality. <laughs> pretty Dresses? Yeah. Oh. Gone with the Pretty That's Dresses. Like Gone with the Wind subtitle. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Pretty Dresses. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, and then you go further down, you see Animal House is on the 11th, Superman, The Godfather, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Still all great movies. Smokey and the Bandit. No shit. <laughs> wow. Was Kurt Reynolds, man. He had his day. Yeah, he was a huge star. It was star. before my time, but he had his day. Uh, Rocky Three was 16th, Blazing Saddles, On Golden Pond, the first Rocky, The Towering Inferno, does the finishes out the top Interesting. 20. Uh, so, yeah, most of those were good. Now, you get into the 1993, um, it, it's a still a, it's still almost the same. That's how weird this whole box office is. It's almost the same. There's a couple of changes, but E.T. still number one, Jurassic Park's second, mm-hmm. Star Wars is third, and Home Alone was fourth. Oh, wow. In 1993, Home Alone was the fourth highest grossing movie of all time. Uh, then you have Return of the Jedi, Jaws, Batman. Raiders of the Lost Ark, Ghostbusters, and Beverly Hills Cop. Still all pretty much great movies. Yeah. I mean, and and so, I can't believe, yeah, I can't forget that Ghost was up there, too. Ghost, <laughs> Ghost, was, Ghost was 12th in yeah. 1993. Made a ton of money. Yeah, it did. Patrick um, Swayze had his day. But by the time, <laughs> it really is a, a, a huge change by the time. Like, I, I also, like, screenshot of 2003, where it's still kind of the same. It's after 2003 where you start getting all these franchises just sort of just mm-hmm. that's where everything's at at this point. Hardly anything original is in that. And, it, and it's sometimes debatable. Uh, some of these original ones, whether you can call them original or mm-hmm. not. like Avatar. I mean, it's, not, nope, not original. It's not an, even a debate. It's an original <laughs> property, but it's not an original movie at all. Yeah. It's got all the other movies in it. Yep. And, all uh, of them. Yeah. <laughs> even Pretty Dresses. <laughs> right. And Pretty Dresses. And, uh, and and Titanic, I mean, can you really say that's original? It's mm-hmm. based on something that actually happened and you stuck a Romeo and Juliet type of, mm-hmm. you know, love story on it. So it's not, re- I mean, not really anything like super original or anything. And that guy w- uh, played Romeo. Yes, he did. He did. He played Romeo in two movies. I just realized that. He did. By the way, that Baz Luhrmann, Romeo and Juliet was on the other day. Yeah. The past. Boy, did not hold up any of the stuff I liked from the first viewing. It's not oh, there it's horrible it's just impossible to watch i couldn't even get through it yeah, oh thank it, god i thought um, i was the only person that just hated that movie first time i saw it i kind of dug what it was going for but but saw flaws mm-hmm. now it, i just see all 
loss. It's just too. It's too manic. It is. It's and, and you know there's that's the thing about it. Like I I, I look back fondly at that movie too. But when I when I really deep go deep down into it, I'm like, man, there's some really annoying shit in this. Mm-hmm. That opening gunfight with John Leguizamo mm-hmm. is overcut more than that fence jump in Taken 3. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just like, it's like he, the editor took acid and just went to town. Yeah, he just went, He Boz Lerman went crazy on that movie. Just a lot of like, like it's it's like watching Oliver Stone try to direct a musical back in the 90s or yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Right? You know, and, and, and just some just insanity in there. But there's some moments that I like. I like I like the scene where they see each other for the first time, Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. They see each other behind the fish tank. What is that, you a know? cardigan song that's playing in that? Uh, well, there is a cardigan song in there, and it yeah. was famously like uh, sent up by uh, uh, Hot Fuzz later on. Oh, yeah. That <laughs> uh, it was one of the funniest parts yeah. of Hot Fuzz. <laughs> Um, anyway, yeah, um, yeah, our tastes have obviously changed and the way movies are marketed have changed. So yeah, movies that make tons and tons of money, just, they're not necessarily good or great or memorable. Right. I was thinking about this the other day. Um, there was a movie that I don't do. Do people still watch wild hogs? (laughs) (laughs) I I flipped past it once the other day. Huge hit. Was the it Tim really? Allen huge thing? hit? Huge! Oh my god! Like, Tim Allen, John Travolta. Yeah, it was yeah. like aging biker guys. William H Macy. William H Macy. <laughs> yeah, and, like, aging biker guys. And I remember when that came out, I was like, "Oh, okay, that should be a decent hit." It was huge. But I was like, the other day, that movie popped into my head, and I was like, "Do do people still look back at that movie and go, man, I love <laughs> Wild Hogs." I, I gotta love, watch me some wild hogs. I've got the DVD. I'm gonna pop that in. I doubt it. It's probably just fallen off the collective consciousness. Yeah. Never appealed to appealed to me. Maybe uh, there's just more of a biker fan base out there. They should make more biker based movies. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm sure there is. Anyway, yeah. I I, I I guess the point of what we're saying here is yeah, things are completely different. The the international box office is way more even still, I mean, I think we've been talking about this for years, that international box office is way more than you, you, you it's a reason for a movie being made now more than anything now. That's why you have another Pirates, yep. another Transformers. All these movies just make, I mean, they can spend $300 million on a movie knowing it's going to make six, $700 million total. What's funny is when you go through this list and you start seeing the budgets mm-hmm. uh, and comparing it against the, the box office, and you go from, you know, a million in the early days to, you know, up to 10 million. Then you had, you know, uh, the, the the big ones in the, the 80s getting up to about like 20, 30, 40 million. And then you see like a straight up 200 million budget for something yeah. that they know is going to make you know, over a billion dollars. Yeah. It's insane, well, man. And I remember when Terminator 2 came out, it, it had a budget of like 80 or 90 million. Mm-hmm. And people were like, oh, my God, <laughs> you know, and they, they didn't have any idea what, what was about to happen. But uh, hey, well, you know how I don't do those Dear Hollywood videos anymore mm-hmm. on my side channel? There's a reason. Mm-hmm. They don't care about me. Mm-hmm. I'm American. <laughs> they don't, they don't, I'm telling you, their decisions are not being made based on what my demographic gives a shit I, about. I would like to see, though, over the next, because this is a fairly new phenomenon. Mm-hmm. This whole like worldwide box office thing being as important as it as it is, it's only been in the last ten years. I am kind of interested to see if other countries will start getting tired of all this bullshit, mm-hmm. and then there'll be a real problem. 
yeah, it'd be fun. Like if like if China saw, somehow unpredictably goes, oh, now we hate Ice Age. And, and Fox puts an Ice Age 7 out and it like tanks, loses yeah. money and Fox has to fold. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, totally. That would be awesome. So, yeah. Nature Box, man. They yeah. sent in they sent in a uh, a box uh, just a couple of days ago, and uh, I instantly opened it up and tore open all five packages inside. <laughs> and Put all of them in a big bowl and just like yeah, exactly <laughs> shook them. And uh, what did what stood out? What did you enjoy? Okay, um, all of them. Ah, okay, okay. But first nice. off, uh, but first off, they have these lime key lime cookies. Oh my god! Holy crap, man! Those that things was... are awesome. Yes, they are. And it's again, it's a flavor I would have never thought of before. Like it's like you know, I, I like I like lime, I like key lime stuff, whatever. Mm. But never thought about a cookie having that kind of like. And you put them in your mouth, man. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Surrender. Like your fucking cheap trick. All of a sudden, man. <laughs> let me uh, let me take a look at these things. They're sitting right next to me. Because I'm curious, we, we took a family vacation when I was 15. We went to down the Florida Keys, mm-hmm. and basically every other person on Key West will tell you, you know, real key lime pie is not green; it's mm. yellow. Mm. And I'm looking at these cookies, and they look more yellow than they do green. Well, oh. see, makes it sound authenticity. Authentic, yeah, baby. My wife and I have been turned into puppy dogs by Nature Box, <laughs> like the dog that sits at the window wagging his tail until Dad comes back from work. <laughs> this is when we know we have a Nature Box coming. I probably will check the front porch 12 times a day until that fucker gets there. Sorry, I just said the F word. Um, <laughs> because we love it so much. We, yep. we, the anticipation is ramped up, and now it's to the point where neither one of us will open the box without the other one present. Oh. There's a ceremony to it now. Mm-hmm. Oh, like opening the case. <laughs> do, you get in, do you get in robes and stuff? <laughs> no. You don't <laughs> light some candles? Yeah. <laughs> Haven't gone that far. We don't have like a theme music we play or oh, anything. Oh, fuck. But... That'd be awesome, though, if you shot that. <laughs> <laughs> you get the nature box in, and it's like just normal, everyday suburban life and everything, and you're like, you're like, all right, what are we going to do now? You know what we're going to do. And then like everything's dark, candle lit. There's <laughs> oh, like, there could be some like, like chanting. The, oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's like there's like something you're gonna sacrifice in the corner. Um, yeah, it's gonna be an unhealthy snack. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I I just love that we're living in an age where healthy snacks can be so tasty. Yep. Uh, my newest jam is the crispy mini Snickerdoodles. Mm. Ooh, nice! Holy balls! Mm. I ordered two bags in my most recent shipment. Uh, I've already eaten half of one of those bags. That came in yesterday. Nice. Um, and you know. Maybe I'm eating more than I should, but I'm still better than eating five chocolate chip cookies from the, the grocery or something. You know what I mean? That's true. I know that this is free of preservatives and additives and all that garbage. Uh, they're using healthy ingredients. And you can get a deal through us. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. are your dealer. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, we're, we're your- Candy your, man. We're yeah, even going to give you a small taste free, right? We'll hook you up. Tell them about Baby, it. Baby, we'll give you a taste. Just a little taste. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> What you're going to do is if you go to naturebox.com slash syncast, you're going to get three free snacks with your first order. Mm-hmm. Wow! I mean, come on now. We're giving you three free snacks. All you have to do is enter the promo code SINS, S-I-N-S. Now, when I did this, you didn't even have to put that stuff in, man. It just like appeared. The SINS thing, because if you go to the URL, it's going to get that in there. You're going to be on your way. You're going to be snacking before you know it. I want to make, make a point to talk about how much we enjoy... 
our behind the scenes dealings with Nature Box mm-hmm. because it's one thing to praise the product, but it's another thing. These are genuinely good people yeah. that we have had a great time uh, working with, and sometimes our ads will go close enough to the line that we'll send it for approval, and yeah. and you know sometimes they'll say something like, "Oh no, we were laughing our asses off. We yeah. thought that was funny when you said fuck." Um, but uh, <laughs> they've just been awesome people to deal with from the top all the way down. Yeah. Um, and so I, I really wanted to take a point. Uh, make a point to point that out. That's yeah. a good call. And say the word point six times. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah, get your ass some snacks. Go to <laughs> and your mouth. <laughs> Naturebox.com slash syncast. Promo code SINS. Three free snacks with your first box. Three. Yeah. Three. Crazy. All right. All right. Ready for some questions? Let's do it. Question. Question. I got something to say. I am listening. What do you guys think is the best looking world in a movie? For this person, it is Tron Legacy. The grid is so visually compelling that it makes him wish for a Tron 3 just for more chances to mm. see that world. Now, that's a great pick. Mm. That is a gorgeous world. Man, yeah. I will watch that movie any day. Yeah. I think it's better than most do, but half the reason is how gorgeous it is. Yeah. It's just visually stunning. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a, that's an interesting example. Um, the first thing that my mind went to, because this is not asking what the best looking movie is. We're mm-hmm. not talking about cinematography. We're talking about the world created that the movie takes place in. I went right to her. Yeah. Yeah. Phoenix, nice. Because it's near future and you can see it in the background out the windows with some of the architecture. There's technology here and there, uh, the little pops of color. Mm-hmm. It just really felt like I was living in a very near future, and this was all very. It helped sell that relationship so much that the world felt so authentically real. Mm-hmm. What a goddamn good movie that oh, is! Well, we, okay. we, I don't, we didn't get a chance much to talk about that during that whole like bracket thing and everything, uh-huh. but that's one that is just fan fucking fucking awesome. Yep. Oh yeah, it's great. It's my um, happy place. I'm gonna say Blade Runner. Ooh, yeah, nice. very good call. Now. The, the future of Blade Runner is not necessarily one that you want to be in or anything, <laughs> but I, the Ridley Scott, you know, general, like, uh, way his movies look and everything, I can't, Blade Runner is a divisive movie. There's, I think there's more people I've run into that hate it than, than love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sort of, I like it, uh, but... Every time, if I if it if I see it on, I will I will turn it on. Like if it's on HBO or something like that, mm-hmm. and I'm just immediately wrapped up with how everything just looks. Mm, yeah. And this uh, this Denis Villeneuve uh, sequel that's coming out later on in the year, that looks just like it. It's like it, he's just got the look down. And there's just something about sci-fi worlds like that that just draw me in. Um, you know, and and yeah, in the in Blade Runner, there's like you know these futuristic advertisements and everything, these billboards and everything. Everything's got this just enough color and a hint of color Mm -hmm. here and there. Very dark world, but it's also just somewhat beautiful, too. Yeah. Good pick. Man, I love playing with color. The best use of it, always my mind goes back to that bathroom scene in The Shining. Mm Mm-hmm. That that just deep red in that conversation um, just just grabs you. And the immediacy of it. And Stanley Kubrick had this ability to just play with color and play with scenery so much in completely different genres. And the three that I'll mention, 2001, A Space Odyssey, Mm. The Shining, and then Eyes Wide Shut, could not be more different movies. But they are all visually stunning. Mm -hmm. Um, The 2001, obviously, is a sci-fi epic and Mm. everything and and goes to different, uh, different kind of vignettes within it. But all of them are, are visually arresting. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, the whole mainframe uh, journey that Dave goes through to shut down Hal, uh, the space docking scene, obviously. Uh, some people would argue about, you know, going through the portal at the end being a little bit cheesy, but I thought that was that still holds up. Um, I think it's it's just cool. And seeing him age in those rooms at the end, too. Um, I love it, man. There's a couple of movies that are not very good that had that sort of fit under this. Like uh, we talked recently about what dreams may come, mm-hmm. which has that really cool look to yeah. it and everything. Movie's terrible. Yeah. Uh, the cell is another one yep. that has that. I, I thought of, about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tarzan yeah. Singh had a really, I say had, he's not dead, but, uh, <laughs> But they, just yeah. like Julie Andrews, yeah, yeah. I mean, like it's this and the fall he did uh, as a follow up to it have a really great visual presence to it. He just doesn't have the the meat to to kind of support it. I don't think. Yeah, too much taters, not enough meat. Okay, here's an interesting one. Mm. Uh, are there any films that you think would work better as a TV series, and or any TV series that you wish that could be seen as a film? I have. I really, I really like my answers for half mm-hmm. of this. Um, I'm going to give you two. I think if they had given Warcraft a Game of Thrones style run, Ah. eight to ten episodes, large budget, treat it like a film, and take your time to build this world, Mm -hmm. instead of essentially trying to please fans of the game and teach everyone new what's going on all in that one first movie, um... I've never played the game, mm-hmm. but I saw enough there that reminded me of Game of Thrones and other similar fantasy properties that I, I think that might have succeeded better quality-wise if they'd given it more time on television instead of just a two-hour movie. You know, the, everybody talks about how video game movies are so derided. Right. Why don't more of them try series? I mean, because that would be more of immersing you in that world I think similar you'll to see the video game. Because thing. Marvel has had so much success on Netflix with their series, I think you're going to see... Something. I think the first great video game property might be a show, not, yeah. not a movie. Yeah. Uh, the other one I wanted to mention is Zodiac, which is a fantastic movie. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's not, but it covers so much time um, that I would love to take a deep dive into that Jake Gyllenhaal character yeah. and just like Walter White, like watch <laughs> him become obsessed much more slowly, a bit at a time. I I think it works perfectly as a movie. I just think it would also work really well as an extended series. Yeah. Just because there's so much to talk about and cover, so much character development we could get more nuanced with. That's such a great pick. Yeah. Well, I, I would totally I watch that. Yeah, yeah, I would do. Zodiac the show. Hey, you know what? We'll probably go home and uh, th- that'll be a, like yeah. a headline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Make it happen. Yeah. David Fincher heading Zodiac TV series. God, nothing, I would, nothing would surprise me anymore. I would watch the shit out of that. Me too, man. I watch the shit out of that movie pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. It's creepy, though. Yeah, it is. It gives me bad dreams sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay, and then, so the other half of the question was shows that might work better as movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite answer here is the real world. Oh, <laughs> just because I could think you I think you could get a raucous hangover bridesmaid style comedy out of that scenario now out of reality, like actually reality footage. No, I would script it. Oh, OK, here's the thing. Now, there has been a movie you're talking about um, a fictionalized version. of Yes. It? OK, like, like a, spring a wet hot American thing? summer tone. Yes set in a real world style situation uh-huh. I think okay really well. yeah 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 <laughs> by the way did you see the trailer for wet hot american summer the this the 10 years later i didn't watch it i saw the headline what now 
they're doing a sequel to Wet Hot American Summer, the the limited series on Netflix, yeah. where they're ten years later. Oh, I didn't see that. No. It's, and it's, Adam Scott's been added to the cast. Nice. Oh, this this cast is insane, but the trailer is fucking hilarious because they. So that was in 1981. It's in 1991 now, mm-hmm. and they come back and they're finally starting to to bag on Paul Rudd's character for looking old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got like a crunch goatee, and he's sitting there talking to. I guess it's Elizabeth Banks is his uh, his girlfriend, or one of the other uh, girls. It's his girlfriend, and she's like, you know, uh, I don't know. There's there's not really much we can do, and he's like, we can do more with our tongues and our butts. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite part of that movie. Is how much it fucks with time, because mm-hmm. like the specific example is that when those when those two kids see the gay wedding taking place, which is also appears to be like some kind of christening at the same time because mm-hmm. they're in the water, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Oh, he's gay. What are we gonna do?" It cuts right to capture the flag, and everyone involved in that wedding is back to wearing regular clothes and running around playing <laughs> capture the flag. Yeah, and it's like everybody is everywhere always. Oh yeah, I believe there's a point where Janine Garofalo is in two different spots. Yeah, because they because she's running around. I think there's a point where she's running around she's trying to uh warn somebody about something but then there's another like section of the movie where she's just there yeah. playing off of somebody it's very like loose and detached I and everything it. I, it feels oh, very I intentional to oh, me. oh i love it too the uh the, yeah the thing is um i think that whole thing is like the last day yeah, maybe is, i think it's the last day, day of camp yeah. and they get all that stuff done yeah. you know well and they save the world yeah and they save the, the world asteroid. yeah <laughs> um all right, so uh, the first one I'm going to mention actually did get made into a TV series um, was uh, Barbershop. Oh, um, the first time I watched Barbershop, and I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed it, especially because Cedric the Entertainer is so mm-hmm. funny in that. Uh, but it has this sort of familiar folksy feel to yeah. it, like you want to just keep going back to this this place mm-hmm. and just. Um, and and like experience all these different things and it's like it could have numerous episodes of it now it did try i guess it had 13 episodes or something back in 2005 oh really Man, didn't they already also make a series out of his are we there yet movies uh probably he's had some success i, that guy. Yeah. I bet you ice cube has some money yeah he might just probably he might. does just a little um, bit but um that's interesting because the sequels seem like they're stretching a premise each mm-hmm. time you know and that it would be perfectly suited to but like a Netflix 30, 40 minute Right. Episode. If it's just them in the barbershop, it doesn't have to be these big, long, arching stories yep. or anything. Just them in the barbershop ripping on things and talking about, you know, current events and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Oh, I'd be, I would be there. Yeah. Now, now, awesome. I don't know how that TV series went. I don't know if that's exactly what they did and just nobody watched it or what. But um I, I, when I first watched that, I was like, this would be a good TV series. Um, another one, TV show that would have been better as a movie is Prison Break. Yeah, that's a good call. The first time I ever saw a trailer for Prison Break before it came out, I was like, how do you make three or four or five seasons mm-hmm. out of this? And the, the answer is you don't. <laughs> the, 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 they brought it back, though. They, they did bring it back. back. Yeah, I don't know. To I guess I mean it, it couldn't have been a success, right? I don't think so. the uh, The thing is, is that you know the the series. Um, I remember watching this because I used to I used to love watching that show, and it, it has this crazy premise that this this guy's brother gets you know incarcerated, so. 
all during this like like a year or so he put he tattoos the prison blueprints on his <laughs> on his body and all these other like little keywords and codes and stuff like that and then he goes out and commits a crime mm-hmm. and finds a way to get to that exact same jail yeah. and then and then he's like so then the whole thing is like all right i've got the blueprints of this of this prison <laughs> on my body and like they they like every episode they would get so far and then there'd be some other obstacle that would make them have to go all the way back yeah. and then and it was like oh they're good they're doing it man they can, you can see it outside oh no it was a door they didn't expect it was built in like in the past year you know yeah. i uh, could see this playing as a movie in that jason statham action film kind of way mm-hmm. where it's kind of having fun with the ridiculousness of the premise mm-hmm. not not too much. Like, I don't want this to go fast and furious. Although I guess the crank movies are more ridiculous than that. Oh yeah. Um, but if you can, if you can have a little fun, wink along with the action, I think that's a great idea. Well, I mean, sure. There's been a lot of Prison Break movies, but not with that premise before. No. You know? If you do a high-minded version of that Stallone Schwarzenegger, oh, Escape Plan, Escape, Escape Plan, plan. Yeah. yeah, which is another movie that had great promise to me. Uh-huh. And then it just, yeah. I mean, another movie they're making a sequel to. Yeah, I mean, it had great promise, and then I think they they fucked it up a little bit. But yeah, it would have been a great that would have been a great one. I did yeah. want to mention another one um, that I watched for three or four episodes before I realized there's just no way they could sustain this whole thing. Do you remember a show called The Nine? I do. Yes. Um, it was a show where all these people were held up at a bank. And they're they're t- telling about the the bank heist in flashback, so it's all the you know they get out of it. But there's I don't I don't know if you know if all of them get out of it or mm-hmm. not. Like you don't there's some characters you see I don't think you ever see like you know uh, them talking later or whatever. But uh, you know it was one of those things where it set up this thing what happened at the bank mm-hmm. and and it was like. Um, the hostage you would see every once in a while you see a hostage go and talk to one of the robbers like on the outside like you just and yeah. you're like oh what was what's that all about you know and and i was just like but there's no way you can make this whole thing into like a, a lasting series because mm-hmm. no it's you're, insular. Just, you're yeah. just gonna keep on like going back and and saying all this happened at this bank heist and it's gonna you're gonna start running out of time yeah. as far as like what actually happened, or you're gonna start piling stuff on. That's real. Well, this guy was an unreliable narrator, so yeah. what really happened was you know that type of bullshit. Yeah. Anyway, that was one that I thought would have been a better movie. Good call. Is it my turn? Yep. I wish Joss Whedon would have taken another crack at Buffy the Vampire Slayer as a movie mm. um, with the TV show cast. Mm. Um, it, he proved that, or this property proved that they could they could exist in multiple storylines and in great characterizations um, from Buffy and the bit players. And if you had put them back into a feature length type of pod, I think it would have worked really well. You saw what happened with uh, Firefly and Serenity, mm-hmm. um, which was a really good movie. Really I enjoyed satisfying. It a lot, yeah. I think he could have done that again with the dude. The you Buffy know what? Cast. If they came out with a Buffy movie today, I think it would slam, just be awesome, right? Like a huge hit. Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, and even though, of course, all of the character, all the actors from Buffy the Vampire Slayer are in their forties mm-hmm. now. Like, I think there you could probably still do it, right? Yeah. Like, they're, they, yeah. they don't look like... I don't think they any of them look, like, so old that it's like Star Trek or some shit. <laughs> it's not like know? David Boreanaz's right. geriatric Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, I mean, you, you know, you take a look at a lot of these uh, actors today, and it's like Charisma Carpenter still mm-hmm. looks awesome. And, like, you know, Seth Green, he's one of those Paul Rudd type of yeah, guys. Yeah, exactly. Sarah yeah. Michelle Gellar still looks great. Yeah, so, I mean, it's... Uh, like, you could do it as, like, that... 
it maybe it's just a maybe their thing now is that they're at shitty jobs or something like that yeah, yeah. they have to do that at <laughs> night and then they go back in the morning to do their shitty job and yeah. everything i think it would i think it would be huge yeah if they did it. i mean because be awesome. even as great as that, that series was there are throwaway episodes and there's throwaway storylines sure. and that kind of thing the initiative and shit like that that uh, if you got spike back together in a in a feature length with you know uh with the the demon what was her name uh the one that dated xander oh anya anya if you got anya in there you know there, there's a lot that you could play first with. you're gonna have to get the actor that plays xander to stop getting arrested oh was he getting arrested a bunch yeah dude he Nicholas, uh, Nicholas Brendan, two or three, really? two or three run-ins with the law in the last three years. All right, well, well we got to give him something to do, man. Drunk and disorderly, and <laughs> yeah. I think he punched somebody. You can always replace him with Mark Ruffalo. Ah, ah <laughs> that's true. Um, you uh, know, nice. I think that would work really well, and mm. they may do it because a few months ago. There was a picture one of them posted on Instagram, and they had a little reunion. Yeah, I saw and it. And the fans tried to make it a thing that Eliza Dushku wasn't there. Like, they didn't invite Faith, and she had to, like, tweet out, I was only on, like, a handful of episodes this season and this season. I'm not I'm not offended. I'm not part of that family. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, that's a great idea. Well, and then a movie that I think would work better as a series, I'm going to come clean and say, obviously, we haven't seen this yet, but The Dark Tower, mm-hmm. in one of its iterations, was considered to be a series. And I think that would work so much better. Yeah. This world is dense as fuck. I don't really understand. When I first heard about the Dark Tower movie, I was like, oh, that's cool. They're going to try to make all seven of them, huh? Yeah. And then and I was like, oh, that's exciting. Like, I mean, that's got a... I don't know how much of an appeal, like mass appeal Dark Tower has. I run into people all the time who have read mm-hmm. the books. Um, but yeah, they're doing this thing where they're trying to jam it all into this one movie. They're actually not. I read this yesterday. It's, it's going to be a sequel. And then oh. in the comments I saw, I think this was on Reddit, somebody said that's a good thing because the nature of this these books has always had kind of a cyclical mm-hmm. thing. I've never read the books. I don't know what that means, but it's not going to do all the books in one movie. It's actually going to be set after the books. Oh, okay. Which, if I was a fan of the books, might frustrate me, but I, again, I don't know what's in them. So I, I just don't know what the point is. Uh, if you're going to do a cinematic representation of The Dark Tower, which is very cinematic in its bones, in its structure, in its narrative... Then you should go and do the gunslinger. That's mm-hmm. a fucking cinematic book right there. Mm-hmm. Do that. Do the drawing of the three. Do Wizard and Glass and all that stuff. Yeah, those are tailor made for movies. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I all just kept hearing that they were going to make this one movie and then they're going to make a series afterwards. Yeah, that was a. I guess that was a rumor because I, I heard guess that too. yeah yeah. I, I I have no idea where it's at now, but it definitely sequentially whether it's a series of movies which would get pretty expensive over time, but I think as a series as a Game of Thrones budgeted type of series. I think it would be oh, good. Oh, I think it would rule. Yeah. 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 Cool. In your opinion, what is the best movie that has something honest to say about the supernatural or the unexplainable? You know, it's funny. Every time after the vampires attack and from dusk till dawn, <laughs> I love it when George Clooney comes out and says, He's like, he's like, all right, uh, everybody's, uh, everybody realizes we just went up against some vampires here, okay? He's like, no, I don't want to hear anybody say they didn't, they don't believe in vampires, they didn't see the vampires or anything like that, because I don't fucking believe in vampires, and I, but I know what I saw, and uh, and it, and it bypasses all that bullshit that is in all these it. vampire movies where they're like, what was that? Yeah. I've never seen anything like that before. Like, 
like if you if us three got out got done recording today and we walked out and there was a fucking vampire out there <laughs> we would be like that was a fucking vampire yeah exactly you know, and that's what what i love so much about the Clooney thing mm-hmm. um that is something honest being said about something that is unknowable or whatever. It's like, yeah, don't really believe in this stuff, but now I've got to believe in it. That's a great point. Isn't what is the only movie that actually mentions zombies by the word zombie? Is it Shaun of the Dead? Well, there's a point where Nick Frost says zombie and and then and Peg, Simon Pegg says, don't say that. Oh, yeah. And he's like, what? And he's like the Z word. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and everything. And then um. I don't think they say it again after that. Right. And no no other zombie movie really is saying, is calling them zombies because, oh, I don't un- understand what this is. But that's mm. a perfect example. Yeah. Well, and I guess what? The Walking Dead prides itself on never calling them zombies. Yeah. Or whatever. It's like, <laughs> Great. I, I Good guess, job, guys. that's a big deal. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, home run. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with contact. Yeah. Because nice. I think for religious people and atheists alike, the movie has something interesting to prod you with. Mm-hmm. For believers in aliens and not, the movie has something interesting to prod you with. It, it's really not saying as much as it's asking, mm-hmm. but I think it asks the right questions in the right ways that it ultimately the movie has a lot of, of deep stuff to say about the supernatural. Um, and it's one of the reasons I like that movie so much. Was right? that McConaughey character even in the book, the Carl yeah. Sagan book? He was. I never just, read the book. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was in that. What? What really astounds me about Contact is when when she gets in that spaceship, because you see, you have no clue what's going to happen. Right. And you see how terrifyingly huge everything is. And you get these brief little rest stops, like gas stops, where it stops and she can look Man, out and everything. that's one of my favorite scenes of all time. Yeah. Uh, and like, I used to watch this, like I said, I used to watch this on breaks all the time, mm-hmm. go and watch that, that scene. That, that whole wormhole thing is great. It's so fantastic to me. And then Interstellar kind of like, you know, sort of copied some elements of that later on. But, um, but. And actors. Yeah. And actors. Yeah. There you go. Um, but, uh, but contact, uh, I, that, that trip is such a, it's just such a cool trip. It's, it could have been done, you know, they could have tried to go exactly the 2001 route Mm -hmm. or whatever, but they, it's, it's its own thing because, you know, just seeing the little other parts of her come drifting off and like saying stuff from the future yep. and everything or stuff from the past because it's all the same in this wormhole. Yeah, exactly. Because that's her younger self that's that's doing that. Yeah. And then when you do stop and you see like the two suns or the two stars kind of like orbiting each other and the God damn. I mean, that really it, it blows your mind. Mm-hmm. It does. It does. I, I, I just think it's a great and a very deep movie and maybe a little too deep with the McConaughey here and there. But mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. more movies should try and be deep. Mm-hmm. What you got? Uh, it's easy to forget how influential the X-Files is. Oh, yeah. Uh, because you go back and watch it. There's some shit that's pretty dated. But what I always loved about diving into the next case, Fox Mulder don't give a fuck. Like, he's just like, <laughs> I am going to take this at face value. I'm going to believe you. And then I'm going to figure out what's going on. Yeah. And of course, he had the counterpoint in Dana Scully, where she said, I'm going to scientifically, I'm going to start with the null hypothesis, basically, is that this is bullshit, and I'm going to tell you why. Yeah. And those oppo- opposing forces, man, always worked, no matter what they were doing. Yeah, yeah. No, I loved that show. Yeah. Early Vince Killed Gilligan, me. baby. Yeah, man. Oh, man. Y'all ain't ready for this. Who would you cast 
to play Jeremy, Chris, and Barrett for Cinema Sins, oh, the movie. Oh, by what the a- way, you just made me think of the Lego movie. <laughs> Y'all ready for this? Oh, no. They were ready, ready for, for that. that. <laughs> you know what? I it, It's interesting. I, I think what we're going to come up with here is going to end up just being wrong somehow. <laughs> but but I, I I went more with um with somewhat looks, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't I mean, I don't know how how these guys would pull off being us and mm-hmm. everything. But for you, Barrett, I have Norman Reedus from the uh, previously mentioned Walking Dead. Oh, all right. Um, I think Norman Reedus could do a good Barrett. And then I have uh, <laughs> I have a guy named Logan Marshall Green who was in Prometheus. I believe he was Rumi Rapace's. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Numi Rapace's uh, boyfriend in that. Uh, I think the look of those guys could get could get you down. And cool. good enough actors, I think mm-hmm. they could do it. For you, Jeremy, not because his name is Jeremy, but I have Jeremy Renner. Oh, on, nice. I'll on take this. that. And I also have <laughs> Jason Bateman. Oh, I'll take that. Oh, nice. You know why? My wife thinks he's one of the handsomest guys in Hollywood. There you hey. go. So I'll take it. Yeah. You must see something in me that my wife sees. Hey, that's right. You could do like a change-up thing where yeah. you, you switch oh, bodies. I never saw that movie. Yeah, well, you got to pee in a fountain with uh, Ryan Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Did, mm-hmm. Didn't look very good. No, it's not very It's good. not good. Yeah. All right, who's going next? You or me? I'll go. I have got the perfect Chris. All right. Mark Ruffalo. Mm, ah, interesting. Never ah, been picked. Never, never been Man, picked for Mark Ruffalo. I think he could. He could do an excellent Chris. Great mm-hmm. actor. Good looking guy. Get the salt and pepper a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I immediately thought uh, mm, Mark Ruffalo. Interesting. Uh, a distant second would be Benedict Cumberbatch. No, I think he could pull you. Okay. Up too. Yeah. 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 And for Jeremy, I got. I got some gold. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna have a young Jeremy and an old Jeremy. Okay. All right. The young Jeremy is gonna be Ryan Gosling. Okay, I'll take I'll take that. Great actor, funny. Yeah, like kind of just always kinetic. Can play the piano guy. now. Can play the piano. Um, and uh, yeah, I think uh, that'd be awesome. But for old Jeremy, Hugh Laurie. Oh, yeah. Ooh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay. Because again, smart, funny, good looking, can play the piano, and uh, Great versatile American accent. Great American accent. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. That's not bad. All yeah. right. All right. I went more for looks than you guys did. I tried to do a mix of personalities, like temperament, and then physical attributes. So for Chris, I have uh, either Jason Siegel or TJ Millen. Okay. Are they both tall? They're both tall. Yeah, Jason Siegel's tall. Um, they're both funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think they could pull you off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for Barrett, I'm going to go with either uh, Aaron Paul or Jerry Ferrer. Nice. Yeah, I like the Aaron Paul one. The Aaron Paul one definitely, I think, works. Yeah, it Bitch. works on both yeah. physical and personality levels. Yeah. Jerry Ferrer is a little more, uh, I guess, goofy than you are. Come on, Vince. Yeah, but you have a you have a, like a needling side to your personality, like that waitress with the salsa. No, oh, that was the all time greatest. And Jerry Ferrer could definitely play that side of you. Perfectly. Um, the incredibly intoxicated side? Well, it tends to come out more when you're intoxicated, but... Um, you By know. the way, just for, for uh, listeners out there, Barrett was not being a dick, but it was it was like hilarious banter with a waitress about salsa. It was, yeah, it was shrimp sauce that he was convinced was salsa right, because right, he right. found a chunk of an onion in it, and he would not let it go. Yeah. He had the waitress go back and double check with the chef, are you sure this isn't salsa? Um, and he had enough to drink that he should have just trusted us at this point, but he was having so much fun 
mildly annoying us. And he could tell it was going to get funny eventually. He just kept going with it. Yes. So. That's what I'm talking about. That's like that time you sat down at trivia next to somebody and were like, so that guy's a dumbass, right? Like You like to push the buttons he's every now awful. and then. You get up saying, he's awful. This is like somebody's like best friend. He's awful, isn't he? Well, the it? first time I said it, I didn't realize he was her best friend. Right. Um, but uh, that was hilarious. That was hilarious. Um, oh, Jesus. Did, did you guys come up with people for you? Because... I always, throughout my entire life, have gotten Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, see that. and I used to, I used to when I was working a concession stand at my old theater. There were these regulars that would come in, and the woman would be like, "Oh, hey, Tom, how's it going?" <laughs> and uh, and there's a another guy I know who like every single time I see I see him, he's like, "Hey, Tom Hanks, Tom <laughs> Hanks," and stuff like that. I've gotten Hanks more than anybody, but I've also gotten Timothy Hutton, I've gotten oh. Ray Liotta, I've gotten Clive Owen, and I've gotten you got Ray Liotta. I have. That is a. I think it's just the dark hair and blue eyes yeah. is all they're really looking at. And then I've also gotten Judge Reinhold. I can oh, see right. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can dig on that. I can see that. Yeah. So I've gotten I've gotten Hutton and Reinhold like the second most after Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. But Hanks clearly landslide. I've gotten that. More yeah. Like though it was so much so that when I was at Hollywood twenty seven, one of the projectionists there took a green mile poster and covered Tom Hanks' name and just put my name. <laughs> And just hung it on the wall. <laughs> Listen, I I'm gonna argue that I play myself in the movie. Mm-hmm. Because even though I disagree with him and don't see it, people have told my wife for years she looks like Scarlett Johansson. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. I can see. I can so see a hire little bit. Her to play my wife. <laughs> I play myself. Write the love right, scene. Right, right. There you go. There you go. She, my wife will be fine with it. Storyboard Absolutely. that shit. I'm sure. I'll well, talk, I'll yeah, talk to her especially tonight. when she hears about the real penetration. That'll be awesome. <laughs> We're going to make Nymphomaniac Part 3. It's the story of Jeremy's life. That's it just correct. happens to be, you know, perfect, you know, perfect yeah. sequel to that movie. Absolutely. Because yeah. all the sex I have. Yes. Yeah, definitely. I'm so excited that we're going to be having all the sex. <laughs> that's Chandler from Friends. <laughs> oh, that's interesting because I actually thought Matthew Perry for you, by the way. Oh, for, people for have told these. me that I'm a lot like him. I don't mm-hmm. look like him, yeah, but yeah. my wife thinks my personality is very Yeah, Chandler-like. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I've gotten uh, older Jack Nicholson, oh. uh, especially when, when I laugh because uh-huh. I've got like the same kind of squinty eyed, like yeah, spiked yeah. Uh, eyebrows. But yeah. uh, I think that's about it. Yeah. 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 We got any more questions? Yeah, let's do one more. Okay. I think this is an interesting topic. <laughs> Pat yourself on the <laughs> back. No, that's, yeah, exactly. Um, what are tropes from California high schools? Oh. Uh, because the, of the movies that they're in, they're, they're in a different world from the rest of us. Well, the one that I really want to get off my chest is that that open court outdoor school. Yeah. yeah. That fucking doesn't exist <laughs> east of California, I swear to God. Unless yeah. you're like in some kind of boarding school, you're everything's indoor. You walk in, mm-hmm. you go to seven classes, you leave the building. Yeah. You're not you're never outside. Right. But in all these movies and shows like Easy A and She's All That and Beverly Hills 90210. Clueless. They're all like in the halls are on the outside. Yeah, with this gorgeous courtyard, lovely <laughs> yeah. landscape. They, and they can have they have their lunch outside. Mm-hmm. They yeah. have they they go out and it's like college and it's like they're walking down these like uh, sidewalks and there's <laughs> there's like little stations of people everywhere. Yeah. And I never once in my life have seen a high school like that. Now I'm sure someone's going to pop in and go in Duluth, Minnesota. There's an outdoor <laughs> campus school. You need yeah. to get out more. But yeah, that, um, I, I guarantee you, there's not one in fucking Minnesota. 
episode. Oh, that's true. That's true. That's too cold. I pulled the wrong state out of my ass. But no, you're right. There is going to be somebody coming out of Minnesota of all places and say that. Well, Buffy's school was like that Mm -hmm. on the TV show. It's just, it feels like everything set in California about high school, they're at an outdoor school. Mm -hmm. One thing that I've noticed too is like, uh, is, is like gym class Mm -hmm. in, in these movies, like. Uh, in Clueless, especially, it seems like the gym instructor like does this one-on-one <laughs> type of instruction with everybody. Like, in, like in Clueless, it's the tennis scene. Yeah, yeah. and 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 it's like it, it, they have to go up there, and the, the instructor's like, "All right," and you just just hit the ball once and whatever. And of course, the the big joke is that they're all from Beverly Hills, and <laughs> they don't do this type of shit for various reasons and everything. But like, yeah, even in uh, I don't know, I don't think Carrie was in um, was uh, was in California. I don't. Mm-hmm think carrie was but carrie even the gym instructors like all up in everybody's <laughs> business man like like here here's what we're gonna play some volleyball today yeah. and you know and, and when in reality it's a, a, a like an ex-coach like handing you a ball and say do something and they go off and talk to some other person yeah. for like they go off to their office for a while yeah. and and then then they come back after the hour's done you know yeah. that's what at least that's what i had to deal with is it possible though they brought up Beverly Hills. Is it possible that they shoot at Beverly Hills High School so much that that's uh, an aspect of that school and it could like be. nowhere it, else in California? Well, I know some of the ones we're discussing are different schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, they couldn't all have been shot at the one same school, but I wouldn't be surprised if there are five to ten schools that are super common shooting locations out in California, mm-hmm. and they all happen to be outdoor campuses. Um I don't know. I don't know. It just feels like a thing to me. As soon as I saw that question, I was like, oh, outdoor schools, man. I've never got that vitamin D. Yeah, the the uh, the uh, um, school in Back to the Future is more like the schools that we yes. had to deal yeah. with. They yeah. were Sing always halls, yeah. everybody's inside. Yeah, and even at the very beginning where he's coming in through the uh, you know coming in through the door and his girlfriend shows up and is like, yeah, you don't want to come through this way. Yeah. There's nobody like milling about outside <laughs> or yeah. anything like that. It's just you know everything's contained inside. Uh, but yeah, that's a that is an interesting thing, really. Yeah. Is there more to California high schools that I'm missing? Are there more tropes that were well, well it started with the, or at least we referenced it in our prep mm-hmm. with the usher being the DJ, yeah, yeah, at yeah. the California school, and she's all that because I think that's another one that I've seen. Yeah, um, maybe not specific to California though. <laughs> I also feel like, especially on Beverly Hills 90210, but I feel like California high school students are allowed to come and go as they please. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that was never the case for us. Yeah. Like you'd probably get in big trouble if somebody saw you in the parking lot at noon <laughs> getting in your car or whatever. Well, it's funny and clueless because there's the point where the guy's like is like, My foot hurts. Can I go? And he's like, Oh yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Well, even in the first episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, she just like walks off and yeah. jumps over the fence and yeah. she's gone. Yeah, that feels like they have a lot more leeway than real high school students. Yeah. I'd like to know why every physical education class has to take place on the football field in the middle of this coliseum because super bad uh grease 10 things i hate about you all these movies you know they go out for gym class they're out in the open one chick is doing fucking archery during gym class while the other ones are sitting up on the um on the uh same thing in mean girls where they're sitting on the the bleachers and all that stuff yeah and people are doing completely disparate things you know mm. jonah hill's coming out and talking to michael Sarah what in the middle of a soccer game yeah and yeah. he's not doing shit he's just like fucking hanging out yeah <laughs> every time every time in california every time damn every it. time 
fucking California. Yeah, California. man. As, as Bruce Willis once said. <laughs> okay, uh, well, that'll do it for this week. Keep going to SoundCloud and giving us your thoughts. Yeah, let us know how we're doing. Uh, let us know if you've signed up for NatureBox. That'd be fun to, to know, um, to see if you guys are, are on board with that. Send pictures. Send pictures and uh, let us know how we're doing, man. We love doing this stuff. And uh, hopefully you guys are enjoying it, too. Need more snack picks. Yeah, baby. Yeah, absolutely. That'll do it for this week. It's Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott and Barrett Sherrill. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasends.com. You know, I caught Groundhog Day. There was a Bill Murray marathon on stars, which is awesome. It was Lost in Translation, Groundhog Day, and Stripes. No, oh, nice. Which was fucking awesome. Of course, my wife is out of town, so I watched every second of it. <laughs> uh, except when I was having to, to look at a video. And man, god damn. It, it's just, those are three super disparate Bill Murray performances. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know? Sure. And Groundhog Day, every time, man, just like gets me. We were talking about how it's probably, they didn't conceptualize it as like a a deep movie right that movie's fucking deep it man. is it is accidentally deep yeah yep i still don't know what he does though to, to break the cycle like i guess he made everything perfect in the town mm-hmm. you can only get out of this if you do everything perfectly but yeah. he still ended up like sleeping with andy McDowell. <laughs> yeah so but that was just a byproduct like it because he he did that already no but he didn't do all the other stuff that he had done the first time he slept with her well, the time where he thought it was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And she's like wanting to stay up so that just to see if he's still mm-hmm. there and all that. He had not done everything yet. And I then, guess that's what, yeah, I guess that's what propels him because that's when he starts doing But that is that is kind of a silly thing, right? That you have to do everything perfectly. That is some perfectionism yeah. that we haven't really thought well, about. Well, and what I always don't understand is like, it feels like he becomes a good person long before he gets out of it. Like, yeah, yeah. we see him multiple times doing good things um, and like lear- having learned his. Why didn't he get out of it, you know, 20 days earlier maybe, than he did? Maybe part of the equation was that he couldn't be perfect because the homeless guy, he keeps trying to keep him alive. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's finally where he goes, OK, I can't do everything. Maybe that's maybe that's part of it. Like that's a, that's another part of your deep conversation there because everything. Well, what about fucking Chris Elliott, man? Chris Elliott gets shit what on. What about that whole day. fucking Chris Elliott? Because he doesn't. He, <laughs> nothing good happens to him. Like mm-hmm. he starts dating, like hitting on Nancy, and then I guess he ends up with the old lady. Yeah, <laughs> he does. But as far it, it it's not his story. So the story for Phil Connors is that. He he thanks him and appreciates him. Oh yeah, that's and true. That's that's how that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, oh okay, I'm gonna respect the underling mm-hmm. and that type of thing. So uh, yeah, it's not Chris Elliott's story. Chris Elliott is still a, a, a dumbass in that movie. He probably <laughs> de- probably deserves a lot of the stuff that he gets in that, but uh, well, but funny, not from Phil. Yeah, and I didn't even realize that Brian Doyle Murphy fucking chokes. Murray. And I guess Murray. <laughs> what did I say? Murphy. Yeah, Murphy. Yeah. Murphy. Murphy. Um. He chokes, like, I guess every day. Like, I guess every other day he dies. 
I guess so. Because Phil Connors shows up and like saves him. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. That's something they they don't quite uh, bring up. No, until... it's like oh yeah, our fucking mayor's dead yeah, too. By yeah, the way, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you ever bang that Pacey chick or whatever? And he's like, you mean Katie? Like, well, there was this one time. And he's like, <laughs> I forgot how much I enjoyed Will Ferrell in that movie. Oh, too. Will Ferrell's great. <laughs> All of the parodies and cameos from his other movies and jokes where they stop and look directly at the camera. I just love all of that shit. It's just having so much fun. Goodwill hunting to hunting season. Well, and they do that that uh, fugitive thing at the dam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wolf Ferrell's like, wow, these guys are good. <laughs> Here I go. I'm going to jump off. <laughs> Fucking Windows 98. I know. Get Bill Gates in here. How do they work? I know. Computer. Seriously. I, I, I'm, I, well, I'm, a, I'm a dad. I might as well act like one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no kidding. These darn machines. Yeah. Know, just, how do you use this Skype thing? I mean, can you guys see me and I can hear? I don't <laughs> understand. <laughs> Bitches.